everyone, and welcome to Literary Demerit, a podcast where we take a look at works of questionable literary merit. I'm Siobhan. And I'm Kester. I have both been dreading and looking forward to this episode. I think we both have. Well, uh, let me start up by saying that we are covering Dirty Laundry, a notorious Clance fanfic uh, that is both uh, popular and controversial. Yes. But it turns out that the controversy isn't what makes it uh, bad. Uh, whether whether or not those those claims uh, about racism and ableism are justified is and they are, but uh, re- <laughs> yes. Uh, but 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 to varying degrees, a matter of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually just like horribly written all around. Yeah, I think we can get a bit like in the weeds discussing. Um, the failings of this story that don't really relate to its central premise. Um, because we can talk about how the story is racist and it's misogynist and it's ableist and like all those things are true. But uh, I get it. You're just here to read about your gay boys. Um, this fucks up the gay boys too. Yeah. <laughs> and n- n- not in the not in the good way. Okay. Like <laughs> the story is failing at the core premise of uh, making us root for the relationship between these two characters. That is incredible. One of the most popular memes that came out of this fic is uh, Abuela is Coming, which is not funny because it refers to the impending arrival of Lance's homophobic grandmother. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's also like a Latina stereotype. Um, so. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of which, why don't you give us a summary of what we read this week? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. So Keith and Lance are sitting in the living room, waiting for Abuela to show up. Lance is getting increasingly fidgety and nervous, though Keith doesn't share in his concerns and just thinks Lance's anxiety is annoying. Finally, they hear voices outside the front door, and then Abuela enters. Keith's taken aback a bit on meeting her, as she's not like how he pictured her. Abuela is 70 and walks with a cane, but is otherwise described as fit. She's tall and thin, like her son Jamie, and has a commanding presence. Immediately upon entering, she remarks upon how Rosa has done a better job of cleaning this year than the year before, then begins fussing over Lance, commenting upon the state of his hair and the size of his ears. Lance nervously takes Keith's hand and introduces him to Abuela as his boyfriend. Abuela doesn't appear to have much of a reaction to the news. She smiles insincerely at Keith, then addresses Lance, telling him that he ought to date stronger men. Keith is too skinny and they'll have to fatten him up. This comment makes Keith relax a little. He figures Abuela isn't as bad as he feared. Rosa asks Lance to take away the suitcase to the guest room. He's grateful for the opportunity to escape, and Keith follows him. When they're in the guest room, Keith notices pushpin holes in the walls and asks Lance whose bedroom this used to be, but before Lance can answer, Keith spots Sophia's name painted on the door. <laughs> Lance is still visibly stressed, so Keith gives him an impromptu back massage. They lay down side by side on the guest bed and talk. Keith tells Lance he was expecting Abuela to be scarier, that she'd be enraged to learn he and Lance are dating, but Lance says no, his Abuela is more of a passive-aggressive type, and she's scary because of her domineering personality, not because she flies into rages. Still, Lance had been expecting more homophobia out of her, and wonders if his parents, in particular Jamie, might have talked to her before her arrival. Keith mulls over the situation. He isn't sure if Abuela will be an issue, but reasons that if it gets to be too much, they can leave and go back to their college in Oregon. He's starting to convince himself that everything will work out okay when his thoughts are interrupted by the sound of Terminator, that's the dog, barking at the front door. Keith and Lance get up to see what's going on, but it's Mateo who makes it to the door first and opens it to see a young woman who introduces herself as Sophia. Both Keith and Lance, but especially the latter, are shocked. 
Mateo, however, doesn't realize the significance of the situation and continues talking to Sophia. Rosa calls from elsewhere in the house to ask Mateo who's at the door, and Lance tries to intervene before his mother can spot Sophia, but he doesn't manage to. Rosa sees her daughter standing at the door and freezes. It's at this point we can see that Sophia's also brought her kid along. Six-year-old Alexi is described as cute in a strange way, with the narration drawing attention to the way she's dressed in colorful secondhand clothes. Sophia urges her daughter to go play with Mateo while the adults talk. Once the kids are gone, Rosa demands to know why Sophia has shown up unannounced after all this time. Sophia says she'll explain, but wants to talk to her mother privately without Keith and Lance present. Keith's all too happy to leave, as this is an awkward situation he recognizes he doesn't need to be present for, but Lance evidently still has a ton of unresolved anger over his sister leaving, and insists he has a right to stay. Lance launches into a rant about how Sophia has missed so much in the last six years. She wasn't around for Lance's coming out as bi or Benji's cancer diagnosis, all because she ran away to raise her kid and be stupid, as Lance puts it. He evidently is not aware that she was kicked out. Rosa manages to get a word in and asks why Sophia showed up now, after all this time, and Sophia cheerfully explains that Alexi was starting to question why she doesn't have an extended family. She adds that she has plenty of reasons why she didn't come back sooner, and she'll try to explain later when less emotional, but right now she'd just like to reconnect with her family. Despite being clearly still upset, Rosa pulls Sophia in for a hug. Keith reflects on how Rosa as a mother must love her children unconditionally, and how this sort of unconditional love is scary and uncomfortable to him. And that is the end of the chapter. Whew. Keith and Lance are lounging across the couch. I've never heard that expression before. (laughs) (laughs) There's just like silence after I finish reading this summary and I'm thinking like, God, we had to cover so much this week. Like, where are we going to start? And you just immediately jump in with the couch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is the first order of business. They're lounging across the couch. Okay, so I don't understand why Keith is being so insensitive to uh, Lance uh, right here. Like, before he was very good, uh, uncharacteristically good, you could say, at comforting Lance about Abuela's impending arrival. But now he's just like, oh, I'm fucking done with this dude. It's so annoying. and <laughs> So over this shit, yeah. <laughs> especially because he, he says, like, Abuela's arrival isn't going to kill you. Like, does this author know what homophobia is? Um... <laughs> I mean, there are many, many forms of bigotry do lead to violence. uh, So (laughs) if anything, you would expect us to be the other way around, right? I mean, Lance knows more or less what to expect. He's met his grandmother before. Yeah. Um, Keith should be the one dealing with the uncertainty of like, okay, so how homophobic is your Blayla exactly? Yeah, yeah. um, And I would imagine in this situation... Uh, even if Lance hasn't expressed a lot of worry over his Ablela showing up before, which he hasn't really, I mean, on and off, but for the most part, he's seemed kind of blasé about the whole thing. Um, the fact that he's suddenly so anxious now, you would think, like, Keith would be getting some serious cold feet at this point. Yeah, in in a couple paragraphs down, um, Keith says again, maybe she is, but I highly doubt she'll kill you. Don't be a baby. This is like the third time that um, Abuela killing Lance has been brought up. Yeah. And I know we're supposed to take it as a joke, but again. Yeah, like, because this scene is supposed to be funny, I think, because we're supposed to think Lance is having this like silly over the top reaction. The way he's described in the paragraph right before that is that he's, um, he's, like, in the fetal position on the couch, uh, with a cushion, like, uh, between his, uh, he's wrapped his arms around it and he's hugging it to his chest. Like, he's, he's on the verge of a panic attack, it yeah. seems like. 
Yeah, but it's it's sort of it's sort of played for comedy in a weird way because this is again used to compare Lance to a baby. It's, again, the implication is that he's overreacting and he's being childish, but we don't know that he is. The return of Ace Detective Keith here. Uh, let me read mm. this paragraph. Uh, yes. It wasn't even two minutes later that the sounds of voices echoed outside the front door. They were loud, one of them widely more vibrant. Uh, vibrant is something you used to describe um, color. It's it's a visual indicator. Uh, it, it doesn't have anything to do with uh, sound. So You also don't describe uh, vibrancy as wide, but... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Keith didn't recognize it in the slightest, though he had a hunch as to why. Oh. Okay. Okay. So they're sitting on the couch. They're waiting for Abuela. Uh, Keith hears a voice he doesn't recognize. Hmm. Who could this be? Ah. I cannot have make any confirmations yet, but I deduce. I, I have a hunch that it is. I, you think he I, can I solve this why. mystery? Maybe if he, like, plays the minigame in his head, like, he'll figure it out. <laughs> but... <laughs> the door swung open and Keith gasped. Oh my god. <gasps> Who could it be? <laughs> we have to find levity in the story the way that we can. And I think like the coping ne- mechanism that we're clinging to is this idea of Keith as like a visual novel detective. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. Let me read this again. <laughs> yeah. The door swung open and Keith gasped. Well, would you look at this place? Abuela. <laughs> How many comments are on that line? Oh, zero comments on the uh, line Abuela, actually. But it's like... It, no one okay, has anything it's, to say. It's one line, Abuela, and it's in italics. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> suddenly a car purred up beside me. <laughs> Edward. Oh my god, yeah. It's, I wish we were reading for Biden fruit right now. It's so much better written. <laughs> um, I'm also not really buying the line right after that where um, Keith immediately like leans over and whispers to Lance, even though they're, like, in full view of Abuela. (laughs) (laughs) She's Um, so... Keith trailed off, whispering into Lance's ear as he watched the woman enter the room. Not what I expected. What do you mean? Okay, and then the whole section following this is insane. I had a hard time writing the summary because I had to try and make the description of Abuela sound like it was consistent and it makes sense, which it doesn't. There's, like, a few facts we can pull out, which I put in my summary... Let me just read but, it. Um, yeah, go for it. Go for it. This, we're going to spend like 10 <laughs> minutes on this paragraph, okay? okay I'm already steaming go. mad. Continue. Although Abuela Sanchez was still old and withered, there was no doubt she was different than your average grandma. First of all, she looked fit, walking with only the support of a medium-sized cane. Second of all, she was tall. Even despite the small hunch of her shoulders, Keith discovered that it was the, the Sanchez side, her side, that must have carried the tall gene to Jamie. Moving on to Danny, Lance, and then Cleo. She had a sharp nose, though not as protruded as a witch's nose, and her fingers were long and spindly. She wore a plain dress that adorned her thin body and large pearls in her ears that shimmered under her hair. Are you okay. done? Are are. Are you going to read the paragraph after that, or are we stopping you there for now? Let's, 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 let's stop here for now, actually. Okay, okay, uh, can we take this sentence by fucking sentence? Okay. <laughs> okay. Although, yes. Although Abuela Sanchez was still old and withered, first of all, don't be describing women as, as withered. Like, there, there's the whole, like, uh, 
flower of virginity thing and relation to the womb and describing uh, women who are past childbearing age as like withered and dried up and useless. Uh, Don't be doing that. Um, Very loaded. You can just say she's old. (laughs) I I know that's not what the author means. Yes. But here's the thing. She's only 70, so there isn't really any other uh, meaning I can derive from the word withered. Because right. she she is only 70, and she's described as, like, otherwise fit, which I... doesn't make any sense. Because she's 70 years old, which is extremely young to be a great-grandmother. That's like um, a grandmother with young grandchildren, usually. Yeah. My grandparents were certainly plenty older than that when I was Lenz's age. Uh, They were so old that most of them were dead, in fact. But Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) after we get that introduction, um, she's old and withered, but she's different from your average grandmother. We get this description of how she looks fit, um, which is already making me question the old and withered from the previous, because I'm thinking, okay, she's 70 and she's in good shape. Um, So (laughs) this is already quite different from what I was expecting. I was expecting older and I was expecting frailer. Uh, Walking with only the support of a medium-sized cane. Um, This, again, with the describing things as Uh, (laughs) medium-sized. If it's it's neither big or small, you don't have to describe it as medium-sized. Walking with a normal cane. We assume. Um, Also, cane size is relative to your height. Right, so she's tall, so you'd expect her to be using a tall cane because she is tall. (laughs) Yeah, so... If if you wanted to point out on the size, I guess he, he could say, like, it looked like the cane was the wrong size. It was too small for her. That could be something. Yeah, because I think um, we want to talk about the cane more. Yeah, we Maybe later. Do. But um, for now, I think we're just getting more whiplash here because uh, we go from she's old and withered to she looks fit to she's using a cane. Where it's like, okay, at, at, at 70, I wouldn't necessarily assume that someone would have to walk with a cane. A lot of 70-year-olds do not. Of course, there are many reasons why people um, would need to use mobility devices, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how old or how fit they are. Right. But But uh, it's not a given for a 70-year-old either, and when the other description we get of her in the same sentence is that she's fit... We're not even halfway through this paragraph. (laughs) Yes! This is why I said I wanted to go sentence by sentence. Uh, Then after this, we get this part about how she's tall... Um, and then Keith has another ace detective moment where he realizes that, um, the tall Jean runs on her side of the family, which he could have already deduced from Jamie, by the way, because Rosa is short. We know this. Jamie is tall. Lance is tall. Benji's tall. Cleo's tall. Right? Like, um, it's already clear what side of the family that comes from. (laughs) Keith discovered that it was the Sanchez side, her side, that must have carried the tall Jean to Jamie, moving on to Danny, Lance, and then Cleo. That makes it sound like Lance is Danny's son, and that uh, Cleo is Lance's daughter, which is not the case, thank goodness. Very weird description. Jean does not, like, move from, like, you don't get a Jean and then have it move on to the youngest person in her family. Like, you could say, like, uh... It must have carried the tall gene to Jamie, moving on to Danny, Lance, and Cleo. But it says then Cleo, so it makes it sound like it's like, ugh, no. Yeah, I didn't, like, use my genes for a bit and then give them to my younger sister. Like, I didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how that works. I wasn't like, here, I'm done with this. You can have that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, next. Uh, Bombshell of a line right here. Mm -hmm. She had a sharp nose... Though not as protruded 
as a witch's nose, and her fingers were long and spindly. Yes. Do we even have to go into this? Do you have anything you want to say about it? <laughs> I kind of feel like it speaks for itself and nothing it has to say is good. But I, I would also like to point out that uh, she used plural witches rather than witch apostrophe. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, the characteristic of having a big nose, um, obviously very, like, racialized, um, and applying this imagery to a character who's instantly supposed to be the villain, along mm -hmm. with the, fing like, long and spindly fingers, not great, but it's also, it, it, it suggests that, like, witches have, like, a a nose size that is um like just like set in stone like oh it was not quite as protruded as a witch's nose because if the author said like she had a sharp witch's nose i would understand there's still problems there but it would make sense as far as like the the like metaphor goes i think like i mean how it reads to me is that the author like knows that this trope is not great and is like half-heartedly trying to walk it back by being like oh she she has a sharp nose but it's not like a witch's nose it's not like that big and <laughs> like it's downplaying it it's like yeah i'm doing the trope but only a little bit <laughs> like here we have um the word adorned again but yeah. it's uh she wore a plain dress that adorned her thin body it's just described as plain so Adorned is, like, uh, very showy. And... Yeah, the author doesn't know what adorned means. Yeah, Again, um... This is, like, the second time it's happened, at least. She could just say she wore a plain dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and large pearls in her ears that shimmered under her hair. That's the only line I don't have a problem with. Yeah. But then the description of Abuela continues... Now, despite the physical descriptions that easily fit her grandmother persona, it was the way she carried herself that differentiated. If Keith could use any words to describe her, he'd say she was boisterous, exuberant, animated, lively, pompous, arrogant. There were so many things to describe her aura, things that just oozed from every word she said. Okay. We might have to take this one line by line, too. <laughs> so, I mean, it starts off by saying, uh, the Despite the physical descriptions that easily fit her grandmother persona, um, first of all, not all the physical descriptions um, were what would be expected of a grandmother. And second of all, uh, it's not a persona. She is a grandmother. <laughs> yeah, she is a grandmother. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I guess this isn't the word I would use, but maybe the author means like archetype or something. But yes. It still doesn't really fit. Yeah, it's, it's the wrong word, but I, I get what's being gone for at least. She has only said... Well, would you look at this place or something like that? Seven words. Well, would you look at this place? And we have no idea how that line is meant to be taken. Yeah, there's no dialogue um, we, tags on that. If Keith could use any word to describe her, he'd say she was boisterous, exuberant, animated, lively, pompous, arrogant. Um, pompous and arrogant are only the, the words here that have uh, negative connotations. Um, uh, yeah. Boisterous, and... exuberant, animated, and lively are all kind of synonymous here, too. Yeah, they are. Um, this is definitely... Uh, we're getting into, like, the inter intersection of racism and misogyny here. Yeah, because, yes. Because uh, lat Latin people are often accused of being loud and pompous and... Arrogant. Arrogant. Uh, 
you hear this a lot in when like Latin people are acting just like normally and exhibiting behavior that white people would uh, get away with perfectly fine. But due to uh, them being Latin, they are uh, stereotyped as um, loud and obnoxious. Um, This is even more concerning when you consider that she is an elderly woman. Mm -hmm. uh, And uh, of course, you have the whole thing about women. Women should be quiet and not loud and shouldn't speak their mind. Even more so with elderly women. Because... You know, when when they're elderly women, they should just shut up and die. You right, because she's withered. She's past her prime. Like, she doesn't have any value anymore. Like, um, it may seem like this is a reach, but, like, these are easy connotations to reach for when this is the language used to talk about this character. I, I think I would forgive it more if it were, we were given this description, like, later down. But all she said is one, one sentence. All she said is one sentence. That's all she's done. She has not done anything yet. Right. Keith has formed this instant impression of her based on her literally just walking through the door and saying, well, would you look at this place? Yeah. So he has made this whole split second judgment of her. And no, that isn't the point. Yeah. Uh, It would be really cool if it was the point. Right. And this description (laughs) of her character, I'm not saying that you couldn't write a character like this and have it not be problematic because there's I'm definitely getting this image of of this character in my head who the author intended for her to be she's the matriarch of the family and she thinks she can get whatever she wants she can have these uh, bigoted beliefs and do whatever she wants and has her whole family under her thumb because she's the oldest Mm -hmm. and uh everyone just has to listen to her because she's old and uh, I'm not saying that that kind of character couldn't be done but the way it's done here especially written by a white person um, about a Latina woman who <laughs> embodies so many different stereotypes. Yeah. And the way we're, she's just characterized like this after saying one line, she, she just walked through the door and said, well, would you look at this place? She hasn't done anything yet. The other thing about Abuela, and this is kind of back to what we were saying at the beginning, like separate from this fanfic being, um being racist and being uh, ableist and misogynistic and all these other problems with the story, it's just bad writing. And with Abuela, the problem is, like, it's not even quite a show-don't-tell problem. It's more like telling and showing are just not aligned here. We are being Mm. told a whole set of things about Abuela right out the gate here, but this doesn't really line up with what we're shown about her. Uh, at this point, we have not seen basically anything out of Ablayla, but the impression I get from her, based solely on her actions and her dialogue, is not the same impression that Keith is getting um, and that he's conveying to us in his narration, um, except that Keith's narration is meant to be objective. The things that Keith's narration says about Ablayla are meant to be true about her, but it's just not my read of her, like, divorced from what the story is telling me I should think about her. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into as we, we have, like, more scenes with her. But there is a real disconnect from what I'm being told to think about Abuela and what I'm actually being shown. So we actually like this next ni- line a lot. Yes! Uh, Abuela goes, Rosa, I'm impressed. The house looks lovely, far cleaner than last year. I really like that because it can be taken uh, either as a compliment or a dig or both because she's implying that like 
the house looked like shit last year. I, I would have liked if the um if it went on for a little longer, like maybe she says like, oh, clearly you've learned something about homemaking since last year or something like that, because this is a very characterful line, but I'll Yeah, I'll I think there are is. ways that could be made a little more uh, pointed, but I really like what it's going for, where she walks in and she compliments Rosa on the house, but in a way that implies that Rosa usually does a shit job. Yeah. Very good. Uh, very characterful. Um, it's actually like, I think that's a great establishing character line. Um, too bad that it got completely kneecapped by, like, the previous, uh, two paragraphs describing Abuela, which have, has already given me, like, a preformed impression of her, which has kind of rendered this line irrelevant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, imagine how the scene would read if instead it was, the door swung open and Keith gasped, well, would you look at this place? Abuela. She's so, Keith trailed off. Whispering into Lance's ear as he watched the woman enter the room. Not what I expected. Rosa, I'm impressed. The house looks lovely. Far cleaner than last year. Her hands gripped the handle of the cane tightly, using it as leverage in her walk. And then it's like, oh, okay. So this is the character introduction. Can we talk about that line? Because I, I, I'm very confused by it as well. Her hands gripped the handle of the cane tightly, using it as leverage in her walk. Throw that whole sentence out. Yeah. Um, and then it says, Rosa walked next to her, helping as a physical support while Jamie carried her luggage. Okay, yeah, so she's, I think we have to get right back to talking about the cane, right? She's 70 years old, mm-hmm. uh, and she is described as fit, and yet she requires the cane and the support of another person to simply walk. Right, but this is also not consistent with Abuela, because yes. it's, it's not that she always needs this level of support, um, which makes me wonder if she actually needs it. Yeah, um, we'll get into that later, right. I guess. There's, there's like, some weird stuff with the cane where it almost seems like maybe it's doing the thing where, like, um, the cane is more a symbol of her villainy <laughs> than, yeah. than uh, an actual mobility aid, which could go a whole lot of different ways, but I I don't know. It's very muddled here. I can't tell um, how much, like, to what extent she needs the cane. The whole thing is very confusingly described. Abuela's voice boomed, and there was something Keith disliked from the very beginning. You already judged her. You already described her as arrogant and pompous. Uh, yeah, there's already been a description of her voice being loud, too, so this is all rather redundant. He didn't understand how a frail woman could have such a loud, dominating voice. It's like, this is this is really icky, and I want this to be the point, is that Keith has instantly judged uh, this woman simply for, like, being loud. He just yeah. doesn't like that this old lady is loud. Yeah, uh, he, he, she's also described as frail again, which, I mean, falls in line with the last description of her, like, having to, to need, like, both a person and a cane to help her walk into the house. Um, but Doesn't line up with her uh, being fit earlier. <laughs> yeah, it was thick with a Spanish accent. No, it wasn't. She is Mexican. She is from Mexico. Though many syllables rolled from her tongue with ease. Uh, having an accent doesn't really, um... It's not a speech impediment. <laughs> <laughs> it's an accent. Jeez. Keith could tell she was an intelligent woman. I don't like this right after the part where it says that she had a, an accent. A thick accent, yeah. Mm, because it's kind of like suggesting that, oh, she has an accent. But don't worry, she's intelligent, despite Oh, this. yeah. Yeah, this idea like, oh, well, she can't speak proper English, but don't worry, she's smart. Uh, and had at one time been very powerful, 
Hell, she was still powerful. Just one step into the room and she was the center of attention. Um, I remember, think she's the Remember center what of I was a- saying about don't worry, she's smart? Actually, do worry. She's smart. And that's a problem because she's a woman and she's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hate I the thought- story. I thought we were not supposed to like her because she's homophobic, but she hasn't, like, done anything <laughs> to done that extent yet. She's done nothing homophobic yet. Yeah. We're being like, given all these other reasons to hate her, like, <laughs> and the reasons are, like, she's loud. It's the umbrage problem. Yes. But, like, even worse, because it's racialized. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the part in, in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix where Umbridge is introduced and we're instantly supposed to dislike her because she's she's uh, little and fat and she wears clothes that don't suit her. Yeah, like, it's actually okay. not because she's a fascist because that part goes totally over Harry's head. He just hates her. Yeah, clothing. yeah, they don't they like don't like her instantly. And, and yeah. it's like, what if what if she wants to wear clothes that don't suit her? What if that makes her happy? It's like. <laughs> all of this like comes up before we learn that she's a fascist so <laughs> right what's the problem with her like liking like tacky kitten decor like <laughs> yeah that's fine that's not the issue uh i mean J- jk rowling hates women no no one hates women more than turfs is is what i'll say about that um it's shocking right <laughs> yeah anyway um she was still powerful just one one step into the room and she was the center of attention uh, what do you mean by she had at one time been very powerful and and then he, and then it's like never mind she's just still powerful um what do you mean by powerful like because just one step into the room and she was the center of attention yeah she's a yeah, guest she, and she just showed up yeah she's a beloved family member <laughs> who just showed up uh, keith was the center of attention when he arrived on his first day yeah everyone had to meet him the woman inspected the room with large eyes, as if looking for any mistakes. I like that. And that's, then she yeah, saw that's a Lance. Good line. Uh, every, every single time a good line shows up, we have to point out that it's a good line, because there are so few good lines in this story. Yeah. <laughs> and then she saw Lance, and a smile lit up her tight face. Lance, grandson, you are so big. I've missed you. Lance hasn't grown since last year. He was 19 last year. This is right. something you say to, to like, little kids or relatives that you haven't seen in a while. Um, so yeah. it's, just doing the, it, it's just doing the you are so big trope for the sake of doing the trope. Right, which could be the point, because I, I mean, I know this is not intended. This is, this is not in the author's head. This is, like, me trying to wring blood from a stone here. But um, I kind of want to read it as, like... Uh, she's condescending to him by acting like he's still a kid. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's actually intended whatsoever. I think um, the author forgot that people don't say this to 20-year-olds because they've been done growing for a while. Lance stood from the couch and made his way over to her, enveloping the woman in a simple hug. Abuela Sanchez patted the boy's back before pulling him away so she could observe his face. She held his jaw up in front of her, turning it every which way in order to inspect him like a physician. (laughs) What? Is she an evil scientist? This is a really weird paragraph for a bunch of reasons. Um, I want to pick on the use of the word enveloping in that first uh, sentence because um, that implies that Lance is a lot bigger than Abuela. Yeah. (laughs) But then she's manhandling him uh, two sentences later. I'm not sure who's taller. Yeah, I mean, mean, he's probably taller, uh, but she's also described... Previously, in a way that makes her sound like she might be physically imposing, except that she's also a frail little old lady who needs a cane. Like, I can't tell, um, essentially, my problem is that I can't tell when she grabs his face if she 
is physically powerful enough that he can't resist when she does this, or if he simply can't resist because she's his grandmother, which is more likely, but it makes the dynamic here very confused when I I can't tell, like, what the actual, like, power dynamic is here, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Also, like, this, this line about her inspecting his jaw is, like... This is bizarre villain shit. She's uh, going to take him <laughs> apart and use him to build a Frankenstein. She's about to do some, like, phrenology shit right in front of everybody is how this <laughs> reads, right? Like, this is really, really weird. But then after after that, it almost kind of walks it back because then she just starts, like, fussing with his hair and tugging at his ears, which is much more, like, normal grandmother stuff. And, again, leaves me confused as to how to read that line. This isn't, like, really an idea that we revisit is the idea that maybe she views um her grandchildren as like possessions i guess objects i mean it's it's a good foreboding sinister line if it's going anywhere it's not though so keith stands up and it says that he's anxious terrified and worried beyond reason those all need pretty much the same thing um is it beyond reason it's not beyond reason she's homophobic (laughs) he knows this Right, but also, like, every single description we've gotten of Abuela so far has been villainizing her, um, so if I play along with the story and act like it's, it's, a serious cause for concern that this woman is old and loud, um, then, uh, then I guess it's not beyond reason that he's so anxious and terrified. Um, it it says, uh, of course he needed a hand to hold, they're holding hands now. Um, the man was about to reveal his boyfriend, parentheses, fake boyfriend, if you want to get technical, if, if if I want to get technical. <laughs> so Lance introduces Keith as uh, his boyfriend. And it says, in that moment, Keith expected something massive. He expected an explosion or the sky to open up. He imagined there to be dying screams or gunshots, oceans to rise and mountains to fall. Instead, instead, Abuela Sanchez smiled. Now, the main question was this. Was it a good smile? Honestly, no one was entirely sure. Keith saw several things in that smile, and the very first thing he recognized was it's, it is active cover. It was a show, a front that Abuela had pulled in order to hide her true emotions, and what those true feelings were, no one could say. <laughs> what do you mean no one could say? <laughs> what do you mean no one could say? Anyway, um, the paragraph where um, it goes... In that moment, Keith expected something massive. He expected an explosion or the sky to open up. He imagined there to be dying screams or gunshots, oceans to rise, and mountains to fall. This paragraph drives me crazy. That is not what he expected. Yeah. Um, we know what the issue with Abuela is. She is homophobic. We know this. Mm -hmm. Uh, that- he's not expecting, like, the world to end. He is expecting potential homophobic violence. Like, let's come out and say it. Yeah. That's what the story is invoking. Uh, let's let's use some real examples. He's expecting Lance to be kicked out of his house. Yeah. He's expecting a huge fight. Keith is an out gay guy. He yeah. knows what to expect in these situations. Yes. These aren't abstract fears like, oh no, um, if if a homophobe like finds out that I'm gay, uh, the world will be over. It's like, uh, gay people know full well what could happen to them if they're on the receiving end of homophobia. Like, holy shit. I, like, this makes me really mad. I'm sorry. Like, this is so stupid, but... It also I... doesn't make sense because Keith was trying to talk down Lance's anxiety before. He was like, right, right. it's not gonna kill you. And then suddenly he's like, And now like, he's oh, like, oh, I think it's going to be the end of the world. 
Uh, so after that, it says, instead, instead Abuela Sanchez smiled. Now, the main question was this. Was it a good smile? Honestly, no one was entirely sure. Keith saw several things in that smile, and the very first thing he recognized was, it is active cover. It was a show, a front that Abuela had pulled in order to hide her true emotions. And what those true feelings were? No one could say. We already know her true feelings. We already know her true feelings. It says Keith saw several things in that smile, but the only thing that it actually says that he sees <laughs> is that she's being deceptive. Um, so all we actually really, really have to go here is that, um, Ablela smiles and doesn't mean it. Mm -hmm. Um, and we know exactly why, because we know she's homophobic, but I'm willing to, like, go with this, at least in the abstract, in a, like, I get what it's going for way. Um, I get that more or less what's being described here is that Keith is expecting a big relax reaction out of Abuela. Um, he's expecting overt homophobia from her. And instead, she just gives him this, like, insincere smile, and it makes him more anxious because now he doesn't know when she's going to do something homophobic. That is definitely a way that this could work and create some tension. However, we're given a description later on that confirms that that's not going to be the case. Or, well, uh, actually, let's just wait till we get to it. Um, but the next thing it says is, however, Keith did not sense a change in aura. This is the second time in this part that it's referenced a an aura. <laughs> so I guess Keith can sense auras now. He can sense auras now. Uh, that's part of his detective powers. He's leveling up and he's gained some new skills. Um... And uh, it says, uh, so as if it was her natural response, she insulted him. He is skinny. Lance looked ready to fall over. Of course he's skinny. He's Keith. Lance, uh, Keith is described as having, like, baby fat earlier, so... Uh, yeah, also, saying he's skinny isn't an insult. <laughs> it's just kind of an observation. Yeah, it... It's like, um... I mean, she's definitely saying it in a, in a judgmental way. Okay, but grandmothers but... <laughs> do that all the time! Yeah! I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, because, um... What happens next, um, I'm just going to read the exchange and uh, leave out, like, all the intermediate stuff. Just This is just the dialogue. Um, Abuela says, he is skinny. Lance says, of course he's skinny. He's Keith. Um, Abuela says, no, if you want to date men, um, Google Translate Spanish, you must date stronger men. Keith is a shrimp. Lance says, if Keith's a shrimp, then I'm a shrimp. I'm skinnier than him. Um, and Abuela says, you are allowed to be skinny. He is not. We must fatten him up. What's wrong with that? She's being a grandma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and furthermore, it doesn't convey the impression that she's homophobic at all because she's not, she's not um, objecting to the boyfriend part. She, in, in fact, is kind of implicitly condoning the idea of Lance dating men by saying, if you want to date men, you have to date stronger ones. And then saying, well, we're going to fatten this one up. Yeah. Like, she's, she's literally saying, oh, we can, we'll, we'll just have to- <laughs> We can work with this, right? Like, <laughs> it seems like a pretty positive reaction from her, honestly. If this is meant to be an insult, it doesn't come across as such, because the, the grandmother's wanting to fatten people up thing comes from older generations growing up in poverty and during the Great Depression and being very concerned about people needing to eat well and- yeah. And, like, they want their, their grandchildren and their children to be, uh, like, even if they're a little bit overweight, that's fine to them because 
it means they're not going to die. Like, especially with us, with our Irish ancestry, um, <laughs> that's, that's like, definitely a huge thing. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah. That's that's where the whole grandmother wanting to fatten people up comes from. It's always from a place of concern and it's 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 becomes like so synonymous with caring grandmother at this point that there's no way I can really read it as an insult. And I remember us kind of talking about this before um and the thing is that there is a way that this could work. Um, but it would, it would take a different story. And to explain what I mean, um, there is a thing, um, that can happen sometimes with, like, uh, covertly homophobic relatives, where, um, they act completely fine with the abstract idea of you being gay or bi, uh, but they have a problem with any actual partners that you acquire. Mm -hmm. Um, so if this was a pattern... If Lance had brought home guys before and Abuela had always had a problem um, and she'd always been like, oh, uh, you know, it's it's not that I have a problem with you dating boys. Just, you know, not this one. And there's always a problem no matter what boy it is. And this has been going on for a while. That would be a situation in which I would understand like, okay, this is still homophobia because she's rejecting all potential male partners for Lance. That is not the situation here. This is the first time that Lance has brought home a boy, and she's being a pretty normal grandmother about it from the sounds of things, apart from the detail we got about the smile being insincere. Yeah, I could see, like, uh, her looking at Keith and being like, oh, that's who you chose? Uh, he's he's not very handsome, is he? Like, uh, oh, he's he's too feminine, or... Something that's more loaded than just the grandmotherly concern of wanting to feed him. The other thing is that this also might might not be a homophobia thing at all because it could also be a thing with like, especially with like a um, like a matriarch type of character that she just doesn't approve of anyone dating her beloved grandson, right? Like no one is good yeah. enough. I mean, Lance doesn't know that she wouldn't be this way if he brought home a girlfriend, does he? Well, he's never brought home Right, exactly, exactly. So. He's never brought home anyone before. So this being her reaction doesn't really indicate anything. Yeah. Uh, like, it seems like she's being pretty normal about it. I don't get the problem. Keith laughed at that, relief flooding his system. Abuelo wasn't what he thought. Was he still scared? Of course. Was he cautious? Most definitely. Was he thankful? Thankful that she wasn't as bad as they'd all prepare for? 100%. Okay, he just spent, like, two paragraphs judging her for being too loud and pompous. Um, so I don't understand, like, after... <laughs> you know, this could be, like, maybe, maybe Keith reflecting on, oh, I judged her too soon. You know what? She's not that bad. Uh, I... I I misjudged her. Um, it's just all over the place is the problem. Because we start off um, with Keith not being concerned about Abuela showing up at all. Um, he's annoyed by Lance freaking out about it. Then Abuela walks in the door and before she's even had time to like uh, properly say hello, um, Keith decides that he's scared of her and he hates her because she's, she's loud and... Um, she's old and she's a woman i guess yeah. um but then she proceeds to act like pretty normal um apart from the weird supervillain moment where she grabs lance's face and also the insincere smile and 
Keith is immediately like, oh, maybe she's not so bad. So he only really freaks out upon, like, first seeing her. Because he's not freaked out before that. You know, I would really... Here's here's the way I would really like this scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe this whole time Lance has been freaking out about Abuela... And he's like, oh, my grandmother's homophobic. I I wanted to do this to, like, stick it to her. But now I'm I'm getting cold feet. Uh, what if she kicks me or you out? What if she causes a scene? What if my family's mad at me for, for ruining Christmas? Right. Uh, and, and Keith is like, calm down. It's, it's going to be fine. And then she shows up. And Keith is like, oh, no. This woman is so loud and pompous and arrogant. I, I can just see see what she's going to do. It's going right, to be she's awful. scary and... Um... Um, and, and then she she actually starts talking to them and she's like smiling and she's fine and is is just like, oh, we got to fatten him up. And maybe he can sense that she doesn't entirely approve of Lance dating a boy, but she's doing her best to be tolerant in the moment. And he's just like, maybe we were way too in our own head about this and maybe uh, she's actually not that bad or maybe she's changed. And Lance goes like no, Keith, there's something wrong here. She's planning something. Uh, I would like to point out that Jamie and Rosa are also shocked at Abuela's behavior. Um, They didn't expect her to be this tolerant. Right. So Lance and Keith go to take Abuela's uh, luggage to the guest room. Um, Okay, uh, Ace Detective Keith time. Mm -hmm. Keith observed the guest room. Noticing first the yellow walls, the paint was a soft color, reminding Keith of baby yellow. It was a simple room, <laughs> with only a bed, a dresser, and one lone nightstand in the corner. It was, despite it is simplicity, Keith noticed pushpin holes in the walls, remnants of someone at one time having lived in this room. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> he notices first the yellow walls, the paint was a soft color, reminding Keith of baby yellow. Wait, so is it yellow or is it baby yellow or not? Why why can't it just say he notices the baby yellow walls? Why do we get the the description that the walls are yellow and then a soft color and then they remind Keith of baby yellow? Uh right. If if what's supposed to be conveyed here is that like this is a color you would paint a baby's room, simply say that. And then Keith notices pushpin holes in the walls, remnants mm-hmm. of someone at one time having lived in the room. Um and then Keith asks uh, who stayed in this room before it became a guest room? And then instantly Keith <laughs> realizes that uh, painted in pink ink on the wood of the door right above Lance's head were two words, Sofia Sanchez. Uh, this is this happens so much. It's like a running joke. It's it's. Why, yeah, I why wish did... it was a running joke because it would be funny if it was. <laughs> why did he have to ask if it was right there? Like, I mean, from the description that we get of the room, he clearly like walked in and took a look around because he notices all the furniture. Um, he looks at the walls closely enough to see that there are pushpin holes from someone having put posters up, but he doesn't notice that Sophia painted her fucking name on the door. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could buy this if, if, if uh, like, uh, Keith asked the question and then Lance shuts the door and then he yes. sees the name. But, but no, it, it's... It, <laughs> that's not what happened. And uh, Keith swallowed down his mistake. I'm, he paused, feeling insensitive. I'm sorry. Lance sighed and moved from the door, walking over to the simple twin bed and sitting atop it. Not your fault. You didn't know. Okay, so this is, they're acting like Sophia is dead. I would, I would like this a lot, but, but here's the thing. 
they can't act like Sophia is dead and keep her room exactly the way it is, like not paint over her name or anything like that, but also have someone stay in the guest room. Like when people do this for children who have died, they keep the room exactly the way it was for a reason. And they keep the room closed. Yes. And they don't let people in the room. <laughs> right. That's like a, pr- a pretty common trope. Uh, yeah. I mean, the other thing is like... Not to rag on Keith's detective skills too much, but he says, who stayed in this room before it became the guest room? Oh, gosh, I don't know who could have used this bedroom. <laughs> which which uh, child is not accounted for in this household? Shaken my head. Um, I think I'd like it more if they were like, well, we needed a guest room for Abuela, but we, you know, we just couldn't bear to paint over her name. I, I right. could buy that, but that's just not what happened here it looks like they took down her posters which is not leaving the room the way it is right um Um, i mean her room is not set up the way it would have been when she lived here clearly it's been stripped down uh there is just furniture here we don't even know if this it's the same furniture that she had when she lived in this room um it's been turned into a guest room except that her name is still on the door I just, keith bit his lip turning to look at lance the boy rubbed at his neck like there was a painful tension there which boy It, it this this fic does this a lot they keep saying the boy the the other boy blank like it's like you can just say their name this one's especially confusing because um i mean it's you just read it but we get that line right after keith turns to look at lance so when it says the boy is that describing lance who keith is looking at or is it describing keith because there's another line of dialogue from keith right after that is it a dialogue tag for the dialogue that comes right after that or is it describing lance who Keith is looking at, I, like, it could it, it's, legitimately go either way. I mean, it's supposed to be Keith because the next one is obviously Lance talking, but uh, it's just, no, like, author. It's, it's, it's Lance. It's Lance that's um that's rubbing at his neck because below that it says Lance tugged at his neck more, rolling his shoulders into the pain. Oh, God. Yeah. God, why is this so confusing? Yes. Author. You see what I mean? It could legitimately go either way. Author, either use the name. Or use a pronoun. We have pronouns for a reason. It's so that you can refer to someone without using their name and sounding redundant. But if you're not, it, but if it, it's not clear who is talking or doing an action, then you need to use their name. No, this I'm, is how I, subject no, no, and no, object I'm, works. Listen, I'm gonna fix it real fast. Uh, look at me go. Um, Keith bit his lip, turning to look at Lance, who rubbed at his neck like there was painful tension there. <laughs> yep. Dan, that That's was easy. It. <laughs> Lance tugged at his neck more. What do you mean he tugged at his neck? <laughs> how do you tug? How do you tug into your neck? <laughs> Is he like grabbing the loose skin? <laughs> I guess so. Rolling his soldiers into the pain. Without th- I don't know what that means. Without thinking, Keith crawled behind Lance onto the bed. I didn't realize that. Was Lance on the bed? Um. Uh, yeah, he's sitting on the bed. Okay, uh, without thinking, Keith crawled behind Lance onto the bed, suddenly placing his fingers at the base of Lance's hairline. As if possessed. Then with smooth, soothing movements, he began to knead into the muscle. <laughs> he's a massage knead, therapist like now. Knead like knead him in the groin. Um, <laughs> yes! Yeah, That's um... spelled right. Keith, um, is apparently also an ace massage therapist, in case anyone was concerned. Uh, we have been being told that he's multi-talented, so now we have, like, um, ace gamer, ace detective, and, uh, ace massage therapist. I think you'd mentioned, you mentioned this before, but Mm -hmm. you, you said it would make a lot more sense if Keith was like, well, you know, I, I, I've done this for, for guys I've hooked up with and they seem to really like it, so... 
uh, I'll just do it to to Lance, but none of that ever comes up. He's just kind of, like, possessed. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly, like, I don't think it's implausible that he might know how to give someone a back massage. Like, that's not uh, beyond the realm of my comprehension, right? Like, it's not implausible. But it just comes out of nowhere because he's never done anything like this and there's no justification for it here. He's never been this forward. (laughs) Can we talk about this next part? Um, Yes. So he's giving him a back massage. Uh, You're tense and Abuela's arrival only made you more tense. So I'm giving you a much needed A massage. (laughs) (laughs) Keith, Keith used his thumbs to rub into the flesh, hoping that the added heat would soothe the knots (laughs) under his skin. Lance hummed. What I really need is a chiropractor. You don't need that. You don't need that. Keith raised, an, Keith raised an eyebrow and began to use his elbows. Do you see any chiropractors around here? I do not look like someone who paid for several years of medical school. Neither yeah, do but... chiropractors, baby. <laughs> Neither do chiropractors. <laughs> he needs like a massage therapist or, or a phys- uh, another physical therapist if he has back pain. Uh, don't be don't be screwing around with chiropractors. Yeah. They're not real doctors. <laughs> They don't pay for any years of medical school. True, Lance giggled, rolling his soldiers, but you do look like an emo kid from 2001. Keith what does that have even... to do with massages? <laughs> I don't know. Um, 2001 pressed... also a little bit emo, uh, early for emo, but whatever. Keith pressed even harder into the muscle, making Lance yelp out in pain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because it's like kind of a horny massage theme prior to that, so... <laughs> Lance's Christ. He's gotta like t- uh, tone it down now. Like he's go- he's going too far. D- d- does he mean like groan with pleasure or or something like that? Well, that's because what he's doing it- earlier. Lance's cries only made Keith smile triumphantly, and it wasn't until Lance <laughs> swatted at him that he finally stopped. You're you're hurting him, dude. This is giving me like a different idea of this relationship than I had previously. Keith flopped his back against the mattress, letting his eyes drift to the ceiling. He noticed that the guest bedroom, too, had glow stars, just as Lance's old room did. It made Keith shiver to think of the masked Sophia Sanchez ever <laughs> counting stars like her brother. What do you mean by masked? Okay, I mean, we know what the author means, is that uh, he doesn't he doesn't know what she looks like. Like, she's a mystery to him. Okay. But she's not, she's not wearing a mask. <laughs> Here's it's like invoking thing. this image of her in her bedroom. She's got, like, a mask on. Here's the thing. Uh-huh. So we don't actually know if Keith has seen Sophia's picture before. Actually, you know what? Let me let me explain the way I would do this. Mm-hmm. I would have uh, there be lots of uh, pictures around the house of like all the family, but Sophia is missing from them. Yes. Like, there are many ways you could do this. It's like, maybe uh, the wall looks um, like there's a nail in the wall where Keith thinks a picture used to be, but it's not there anymore. Right, um, or the wallpaper's darker in a spot. Where yeah. You can see where there was a photo once hung. Or um... uh, Maybe he finds a picture of uh, uh, a girl who looks like uh, she belongs to the family that he doesn't recognize in like a drawer somewhere and he thinks that it it must be Sophia or maybe he he sees everyone but Sophia and so he can't imagine what Sophia is like so he has this image of Sophia as like this uh, floozy I don't know who <laughs> well, we'll like get to, uh, we're gonna have a lot to say about Sophia in a hot second <laughs> yeah yeah hmm. anyway um it, it's just like I know what the author means but it's not done well Right. I mean, it's it's very strange that we don't even have a sense of 
what the situation is with the photos in the house. We know there are family photos and plenty of mementos from the kids here, um, including some from Sophia. Like, a plate that she made is in the drawer, right? Doesn't that come up early on? Uh, a plate that Lance drew of Sophia. Oh, yeah. Okay, so there's there's some evidence of Sophia still left. I mean, either I want that to be explored more, or I want it to be the situation, like, you're describing, where they have hidden all reminders of her because it's too painful. Maybe if there is anything of her left, it's in this room. Uh, this this could be the place where Keith first sees a picture of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a, a picture of her left hanging on the wall since her name was never taken down. I still or... <laughs> think it would be so cool if we thought that Sophia was dead and she shows up and Keith is like, what? Yeah, because imagine, like, what if everyone just avoided talking to, about her? Like, Keith knows that there's another Sanchez sibling that isn't talked about, but has no idea what the story is. I'm imagining something like Lance and the family are talking about some, some like, memories, and he's like, oh, haha, this reminds me of when me and, uh, actually, never mind, and, and... Uh, the family gets silent and Keith notices like Rosa wipes at her eyes or something. And so he's like, oh, this must be Sophia. And she died because that's, that's, they, that's what they treat it like. They treat it like she has died. Yeah. It would also be, um, I mean, I think a cool way to play this is if Sophia only comes up in discussions with the rest of the family. If Lance never brings her up on his own. So Keith never has the opportunity to ask because it's too awkward. Um, and every time, there's some reference to Sophia, like, however oblique, like, everyone gets uncomfortable. And he just, right, he just starts thinking, like, she must have died. But we have to move on, because uh, we're gonna have a lot more to say about Sophia in a minute, and the scene's not over. I thought she would be more, I don't know, Keith sucked in a breath, angry, furious, and we're talking about Abuela here. Yes. Um, break mountains with her screams. <laughs> there aren't any mountains around here. Uh, I think it would make more sense if he said something like summon sandstorms with her screams or I don't know. <laughs> something that actually has something to do with the environment. Lance spun around and flopped onto his back so that he lay parallel to Keith, the two of them laying perpendicular on the bed. Are they parallel or are they perpendicular? <laughs> These are not the same thing. Um, they are parallel. I think they're parallel they're not... to each other and <laughs> perpendicular relative to the direction of the bed. <laughs> This but it's, so... it's a bad description. It's a very bad description. Um, and Lance Lance confirms that Abuela is passive aggressive. Uh, actually, let me just read this. Yeah. What I said what I said was that she's terrifying, and believe me, she is in her own way. She's very opinionated, and when you get her to talk about her passions, that's when she gets scary. Ugh! I hate when women talk about their passions. I hate when women enjoy things. She's also a critic and arrogant and pompous to the core. She may speak loudly and her attitude may make her the center of attention, but she's not one to get angry. Passive aggressive, yes, but not really angry. Lots of things to say about this. Um, you can be angry and <laughs> passive aggressive at the same time. I I don't know why Lance did not explain this to Keith before. He's also not really telling us anything new because the stuff about um, Abuela being arrogant and pompous was already related to us in narration. Like, Keith already had that imp impression of her. Those were some of the first words he used to describe her when she just walked through the door. So that was already his impression. And I think the passive-aggressive thing already came through from the insincere smile. Mm -hmm. So we're not actually being told anything new, uh, except that we have to be because Keith, uh, I guess, forgot that um, 
the smile is insincere and is just like, yeah, there's nothing to be worried about. I'm sorry to say this, but I don't think he's a very good detective. Keith bit his lip, letting his hands rest on his belly. So Abuela was still going to be an issue, an issue in her own way, one that Keith was sure they could handle. And if not, they could leave, go back to Oregon, go home, plain and simple. Not plain and simple. You'll be ruining Christmas. Right. Also, like, while there may be no lasting consequences for Keith, he never has to come back here. Uh, there will be consequences for Lance. Why does it say Keith was sure they could handle it, but maybe not? <laughs> Yeah, um, also, I mean, it would have helped a lot if we had a clear idea of what Keith expected before Abuela showed up. Because if we had had the idea in our heads, like, via Keith, that, like, oh, this woman is going to be, like, this total tyrant, and she's going to show up and, um, scream at me and Lance for being gay, and, um, the world is going to end. Uh, if, if that was his idea of what was going to happen, we should have known that before, because... I didn't think that that's what he was expecting. Um, I honestly kind of figured that he was expecting this. Let me read the next part. Uh, Keith asks, what's the worst that could happen to us? And they talk about how, like, uh, Lance goes, I I'm not sure really. She made some weird comments. Uh, and then Lance says, if I didn't know any better, I'd say my parents talked to my grandmother beforehand. She was too, Lance trailed off for a moment to find the correct word, clean, if that's a good word to describe it. The abuela I know would have spoken her thoughts the moment they came to her mind, but this, she was cautious, and I think it's because my parents talked to her. Bitch, you just said that she was passive aggressive and wouldn't do that kind of stuff. You literally just said. Yes. He says, no, my grandmother is just like this. She's passive aggressive, but she's not, she's not outright going to, like, yell and start something. But then he says, the abuela I know would have spoken her thoughts the moment they came to her mind. Which, what, which is which? Yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, no, that's, that's not my abuela. Um, she's not, like, an overt homophobe. She's, she's mostly just passive aggressive. Um, anyway, I'm really surprised she didn't call us faggots. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is it? <laughs> Yeah, are you surprised, or or is this in line with her behavior? <sighs> um, also, this idea that maybe Jamie talked to Abuela. <laughs> oh my god! Um, oh my god, I forgot about this next part, can I read it? Yes. Okay. Like, like, Keith wondered out loud, letting his thoughts speak for themselves. Letting his thoughts speak for himself? <laughs> okay. Like your dad, do you think he told her to be respectful? Lance didn't miss a beat. I wouldn't doubt it. He's been trying. Hard. I've noticed it. <laughs> he still cringes when we talk about our kissing, and he can't really be in the same room as us for longer than ten minutes. But he's definitely trying more than before. Oh uh, yeah, he's he's microdosing on on gay. So <laughs> Jamie's continuing his yaoi microdosing. You can do ten minutes on a stretch now. <laughs> can you fucking imagine talking about kissing with your partner and someone in the room just goes? and makes a face and you're like yeah they're trying <laughs> like what are you talking but about but also we haven't seen any any scenes of uh keith and lance actually talking about their kissing with anyone present so now it's just making me imagine like the two of them are just like talking about making out for like 10 minutes straight and jamie's like <laughs> all right this is getting old i'm out how how much of a, a face do you have to like make if if someone can see you visibly cringe? <laughs> He's been trying hard though. <laughs> like 
Keith nodded like he understood. Well, at least he understands because I don't. <laughs> no, he just nodded like he understood. <laughs> Whether he does or not, we can't say. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, the idea that Jamie might have talked to his mom and said, hey, can you try to be less of a homophobe for me? <laughs> um, like, that's potentially something. Yeah. Um, if we're going to do some sort of redemption arc for Jamie where he's learning to microdose Yaoi and become less homophobic over time, then that's a step, talking to his homophobic mom. Uh, that's good. Um, this is never confirmed nor denied. Um, <laughs> nothing ever comes of this. Uh, there is no... I mean, it actually is, but the scene is kind of confusing. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like no actual payoff for this. It would be okay. Keith began to repeat those words in his head over and over, hoping to God that Abuela's intense personality wouldn't result in something wild. You know, we've gotten several several times it's been told to us that Keith doesn't really believe in God, yet there there are so many instances in, the, in this story where, like, Keith hoped to God. Like, I know that's kind of an expression, but coming from someone who doesn't have any religious background... Like, I think the most he said is he's had religious foster parents, so he knows what grace is, but he's never actually practiced, like, any kind of religion, as far as we know, and I think actively, like, doesn't believe in God or has, like, a very edgy, uh, like, Reddit atheist uh, version of, <laughs> yeah, he's, of, he's, of his... He's a little bit of a Reddit atheist. Um... Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't, I can't imagine someone, like, the, being like, oh, I'm hoping to God. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I, I mean... I think I would be fine with it if it was um, dialogue, because mm -hmm. I know for my my part, um, I certainly um, use those sort of expressions when I'm talking. Um, yeah. I'm not religious. Uh, it's just a turn of phrase. But um, I think in a character's internal monologue, like uh, the most direct expression of what they are thinking... Um, a non-religious character is not going to lean on those phrases. Yeah, and it, it keeps happening. Yeah, it just it just happens a lot. And it's not just that he's... Um, I mean, right here it could be just a turn of phrase, but there are other times when he um, thinks about uh, religion and God. I mean, like, that, that whole part about, like, um, whether it was uh, God or some stupid asshole in the sky. Like... He's yeah. actively thinking about these religious concepts. Because he's uh, Lily from The Secret Life of Bees. Right, but it's not that he's actually religious or even, like, questioning. Yeah. It's just, it's just like a metaphor that's being invoked, and I don't know why he would think about things in these terms, because he's not religious. Alright. Are you ready for Sophia? Oh, maybe. I guess. Let's get it over with. Fine. As the two boys rested on the bed, there was the sudden commotion of a dog barking outside their room. Lance slipped from the bed and opened the door to see Terminator barking viciously at the front door. Mateo waddling over to the door with Greedo in his arms. That's the iguana, in case you don't remember. Mm -hmm. I want to get it. Mateo screamed behind him, reaching for the door handle with an arm full of iguana. Iguanas are big. Um, Five-year-old cannot hold an iguana with one arm. Like yeah, especially because we know uh, Greedo is like two-thirds the size of Mateo. Yeah. 
Now, before the door opened, the family had been fully prepared for Abuela's arrival. They'd known in advance, they'd cleaned the house, they'd mentally prepped and ready themselves. But this, this was worse than any crazy grandmother. Mateo swung the door open and gave the visitors before him a wide smile. Hello, this is the Sanchez house. What's your name? The visitor smiled. It was a woman, curly brown hair reaching just past her jaw. Keith was positive he'd never seen her before, but there was something about her that was vaguely familiar. He wondered if he'd seen her in a photograph or maybe on a photo in Lance's cell phone camera roll. Could you just, like, write that scene, then? Yeah, because I don't even know if that is the implication. I don't know if he has seen her in a photograph or if she just looks familiar because he's uh, been hanging out with her family for the past week. And then she spoke, and it was like the world had turned upside down. My name is Sofia Sanchez. What's yours? Oh, how convenient that Sophia would show up just as they're in her room talking about her. <laughs> yeah, they summoned her. Um, a- Ace Detective Keith again. He wondered if he'd seen her in a photograph or maybe on a photo in Lance's cell phone camera roll. And then she just says her name. Yeah, because narrow- narrowing it down to Lance's cell phone camera roll already makes it clear who this is. Okay, and then we have uh, day 7, 1032 a.m., Up until Sophia's arrival, Keith had been positive he knew what he was getting into. He'd known about the rambunctious family. He'd known about the dangers of meeting Abuela. He'd known about the trials he'd face. Uh, He did not know any of that. No. It's true there had been bumps that weren't planned. Learning about Lance's family, falling in love with Lance, falling in love with the Sanchez family, growing so attached that he never wanted to leave, all these things he hadn't prepared for. Nonetheless, he survived them so far, and he'd made it out with only a few battle scars to show. He has no battle scars. What are we talking about? Um, (laughs) He's being so Lance's family was expected because he's going to be living with them for two weeks. Up until Sophia's arrival, Keith had been positive he knew what he was getting into, and then it describes something. No, he, he hadn't. And he then, literally and then a, hadn't been positive. I read the story. And then yeah. a, bu- a bunch of things that he doesn't know. So, like, lying to us. Lying. <sighs> Keith hadn't signed up for this drama bullshit. It was like an episode straight from a TV show drama. One moment, everyone was panicking panicking about the arrival of Abuela, the next there was the surprise appearance of the mysterious Sofia Sanchez. my guy, you signed up for fake dating. Did you think that was going to be drama-free? If that was the joke, I would like it. We've been saying that a lot. If that was the (sighs) joke, I would like it. (laughs) Now, Keith knew hardly anything about Sofia Sanchez. She was I wish that was true. I wish that was true, and we really knew, like, nothing about her. She was a mystery girl, the eldest daughter, the child who left the family after the birth of her first child. After? Not after. Before. Before she was kicked out while pregnant. It's kind of, like, crucial to the story. Yeah, it's crucial to the story because um, uh, Jamie and Rosa have never met Alexi, who is Sophia's daughter. (laughs) Yeah, Um, also wasn't like that. They were like, hang on a minute. You have a kid? (laughs) Get out of my ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they only notice after the the kid is born. (laughs) (laughs) Keith Keith knew she'd been 17 when she'd gotten pregnant, but beyond that, he was clueless. He knew no context, no backstory, no vital information as to why she left. Keep that in mind, because he's awful judgmental considering all that. Yeah, okay, so, uh, and now, now the entire family, Keith included, were all questioning the same thing. Why did Sophia wait six years to show her face again? Because she was kicked out. And this is confirmed later on. So when we say uh, she was kicked out, we mean she was kicked out. She didn't just run away. She was kicked out by Jamie. Yeah. Remember uh, They, I mean, this literally, this line can't be true. They can't mm-hmm. all be wondering, why did she wait six years? Um, in fact, what we learn later is that Rosa is wondering why now, which is sort of the opposite question. 
Sophia introduced herself to Matteo like it was nothing. He was her nephew, the one she'd never met, and yet she acted so calm, so contained. Yeah, because she's never met him. Yeah, because she's never met him and he's a child. Yeah. He, he has nothing to do with this drama or this situation. She's being nice to him. There is no conflict involved in me- meeting Matteo. He's five. Keith didn't understand. Coincidentally, neither did Lance. Coincidentally? What do you mean coincidentally? Lance's tan face had gone completely pale, almost a sickly green color. This is a cartoon. This is a cartoon. He was, fro- he was frozen in place, his muscles no longer allowing him to move. Uh, okay, are we back to Lance's perspective? Because there's no way that Keith could know this. Yeah. Keith could see that Lance was emotionally compromised. <laughs> like something had snapped. He wasn't panicking, just scared or worried or some variation thereof. Okay, so he wasn't panicking. He was just scared or worried. He's <laughs> detective. Um, he's experiencing some sort of emotion right now. The two boys watched from the bedroom door, not able to see everything, but able to hear the majority of the conversation. What do you mean not... not- able to see everything. Keith just saw Sophia at the door and recognized her as the woman in in Lance's photographs and saw that she had curly brown hair. Yeah, I mean... What do you mean? The part that we um, find out a bit later that can't be seen is that Alexi's here too. But at this point, um, Keith and Lance don't know that. So they don't know that they're not seeing the full scene. Yeah, it says uh, Lance refused to move and Keith refused to leave his side. So how did Lance see Sophia before if he didn't leave? In response to Sophia's original question, Matteo gave a bright toothy smile. How how are they seeing this? This is not an omniscient narration, or maybe it is now, but it wasn't before. Right, I don't actually know how good their, their view of the scene is. We know that they can't see everything. Um, and later we find out that that means they can't see Alexei, but can they see Mateo clearly from where they're standing? They can evidently see Sophia. I mean, like, what's what's the perspective here? I, get, I mean, uh, it, it's gotta be in Omniscient because it says that Lance nor Keith recognized Alexei's voice, but who knows? It could change in the next paragraph without any warning. My name is Mateo. I'm five. He held out five fingers proudly, almost dropping Greedo in the process. And this is my iguana. Actually, it's Tio Benji's iguana, but Tio Benji is cool and lets me play with him. Another voice spoke, one that neither Lance nor Keith recognized. It was younger, high-pitched and sweet. Will the iguana eat me? The voice sounded out every syllable of iguana. Yeah, that's that's how you say words. (laughs) (laughs) Mateo giggled before holding Greedo out to the small voice proudly. No, he eats bugs. Sometimes he shared with me. Iguanas don't eat bugs. Iguanas are obligate herbivores. Uh, yeah. Um, also, first time it's mentioned that uh, Greedo belongs to Benji. First and only time, I believe. I know this is supposed to be a joke, too. Like, Mateo eat- eats bugs. Um, but I'm actually more concerned about the iguana only eating bugs when they're obligate herbivores. Like, n- not even the base amount of research was done for this. Yeah. It's... Okay, and then Rosa says, uh, Mateo, who's at the door? Very concerned about this. Mateo just opened the door to a complete stranger. Like, he didn't get approval from his parents or anything. They weren't expecting anyone. He just rushed up and opened the door. This is like, uh, if this ever happened to my kid, if I had kids, it, it would be like, we're going to have a long talk about this later. Um, I mean, they do, they do kind of live in the middle of nowhere so i could see how maybe mateo is used to if there's someone at the door it's family because that's the only visitors we get it's just kind of like there's no explanation or justification around the five-year-old answering the door and that is something that raises an eyebrow for me 
Yeah, at the very least, uh, I would expect Rosa to be like, Mateo, you don't answer the door without permission. Right, right. Like, uh, I mean, he he calls out, like, uh, I want to get it when Terminator starts barking, which you would think would alert Rosa that her five-year-old is um, at the door trying to welcome someone in and they don't have anyone invited. Yeah. You kind of expect her to, to come running right out, like, uh, who is it? What's going on? Oh, who is it? Yeah. Rosa's question boomed from across the back of the house, awakening Lance of his trance. Of his trance. <laughs> he immediately raced from Sophia's old room, taking Keith by the hand with him, his breath heaving as if he needed to warn Rosa. But it was too late. Rosa took one look at her daughter and went speechless. I mean, how, how far did they get? Like, it says, it's just that, um, Lance takes Keith by the hand and starts racing, um, but... Rosa's like already there. She was at the back of the house. Do they run like two paces and then stop? (laughs) Like now where are they? Okay. I imagine for a second that you're Rosa. Mm -hmm. You love your family unconditionally. Yes. Your biggest regret is that your uh, eldest daughter ran away from home or more accurately was kicked out by your husband. Yes. And... Does Rosa know, by the way? Never, never explained. Because that seems rather crucial, but we'll come back to it. The worst part is that she was pregnant. So not only have you lost her, but you have lost your grandchild as well. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if she had the baby. Or if she's alive. Yes. Or if the baby is alive. Yes. Um, the most generous read I can give of this is Jamie said something in anger because it was a, a moment of anger that he he couldn't take back and he said get out of my house leave you're no no longer welcome here um pack up and leave right we we never want to see you again um and he was angry and he did not mean it and it's his biggest regret regret she has been wondering all this time if sophia is even alive she has had presumably no way to contact her because Mm -hmm. she just up and left they haven't been able to get in touch with her And Sophia has not contacted them, so she might as well be dead. And suddenly, Sophia shows up at the door, back from the dead, six years later. Yes. Let's pay attention to how Rosa reacts during this entire sequence. I'd also, not to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but it's really important that we know whether or not Rosa is aware that Jamie kicked Sophia out. Because... Never explained. uh, Right. I mean, it could be... That she knows and has been carrying this resentment towards Jamie and is perhaps seeing the writing on the wall with how he's treating Lance and trying to prevent that from happening but not doing enough. Um, you know, the thing is... Yes. When it, when Sophia reveals to Lance that uh, her father kicked him out, he doesn't really have any reaction. It's pretty much the same... Yeah, and kind of no one does. Yeah, it's it's the same to him as she leaving of her own volition. Yes, because it it could it could be that um, Rosa is aware that Jamie kicked out Sophia. Lance doesn't seem aware of that because he always refers to it as Sophia has has run away, and you would think that would be a big revelation for him that his his dad kicked his sister out, and that that would change how he views Sophia when that comes out. But no. The alternate way it could go is that Rosa has also been deceived and thinks that Sophia ran away. Like, uh, imagine that the fight between um, Jamie and 
Sophia happened when Rosa was not present. And afterwards, perhaps Jamie related it to her as we got into a fight and she ran off. I have, like, additional questions, though, because if Rosa thought that Sophia ran away and not that she was kicked out, why did she not attempt to look for Sophia when Sophia was 17, still legally a minor? I get that there's not much you can do with an adult who has voluntarily gone missing. Mm-hmm. But they had a window of time when she was 17 where they they still had a parental claim to her and could have tried to find her and get her back if anyone involved thought she had just run away. The only possible way I could see this working is if they just decided not to look for her, which gives me an extremely poor impression of Rosa, who is supposed to be like the perfect mother figure. Right. If she thought that Sophia ran away, why has she not attempted to search for her daughter, especially when her daughter was still a minor? If she did attempt, why is that not brought up when Lance talks about Sophia? You know, that we searched and searched. Um, I mean, this this could be a point for why he is mad at Sophia in the preceding scene. Like, uh, mom was going mad with worry. Like, she was trying to find you everywhere. Like, uh, we, we put up missing persons flyers. Like, if there was some story there of attempts to find her, that would be one thing. Uh, the alternate possibility is that Rosa knew that Sophia was kicked out and went along with it, which also paints a terrible picture of her. Uh, here's how I would have it work. Jamie kicked Sophia out. He, it's his biggest regret. He didn't mean it. He loves Sophia. He was mad that she got pregnant, but uh, he just lost his temper and said some things in anger that couldn't be taken back and she took it seriously and left Mm -hmm. and jamie jamie's story to the rest of them is we got in a fight and she ran off yes because he uh thinks that his family will resent him for this but he's kept it a secret and sophia sophia comes back it comes out that uh jamie did kick her out she didn't leave of her own volition and everyone turns on Jamie and and Lance says, like, I knew it. It was your fault all along. You don't love me. You don't love Sophia. You don't even accept my bisexuality. I hate you. Yeah, what were you going to do? Kick me out too? Like, <sighs> there's so much potential here. Yeah, I mean, this is this is rewrite brain for real, but I kind of want it to be even nastier. What if the reason they didn't look was because Jamie forged a letter from Sophia saying, I, I, hate, I hate you. I never want to see you again. Don't look for me. Ugh. This could be so good. And that could be the reason they all resent her so much when she shows back up. Yeah. Ugh, my God. (sighs) We have to move on. We have to move on. But it was too late. Rosa took one look at her daughter and went speechless. It was so quiet that one could hear a pin drop. Rosa and Sophia stared at each other, neither daring to look away. Keith could physically feel the tension, so thick that it could be cut with a steak knife. Tension? I like that it's specified steak knife, which implies <laughs> yeah. that the, the tension um, needs like a serrated knife to cut through it. Yeah, specifically. yeah. It needs a really good knife. Um, then a voice destroyed the silence. The same twinkle of innocent words from before. 
it's not the same twinkle of innocent words because it's a different word. Uh, yes. Mama, the voice questioned softly, making everyone turn to the speaker. It was a girl about one year older than Mateo. A pile of dark curly hair was piled on her head, held back with several rainbow hair clips. She was cute in a strange way. The clothes she wore obviously secondhand. However, she wore them extravagantly. Yellow rain boots with Minnie Mouse on the sides covered her feet. Yeah, that's where, <laughs> where boots normally go. Mm-hmm. An old Lilo and Stitch t-shirt, large thick rimmed glasses that were held on by a string of rainbow alphabet beads, all items she wore proudly she's six yeah this, is a this part was weird in my summary and i actually got stuck for quite a while when i was writing the summary on trying to like introduce alexi here because the way uh she is introduced we're clearly meant to think that she's strange and and we're meant to think that because she is autistic right uh which comes up later but this is totally normal for a six-year-old uh i would go so far as to say this is probably the height of fashion if you're six yeah um the clothes she wore, obviously secondhand. Weird dig at, like, a, uh, a child who is probably, like, below the poverty line. Like, also, it's Sophia's not... 23. It's, it's also not at all weird for uh, children, even in, like, middle-class families, to wear secondhand clothes because they grow quickly. Yeah. They grow so quickly. They It's like, why would you even bother buying them more than a few new outfits to wear, right. like, on special occasions? It's really they, common for kids to wear hand-me-downs. Yeah, they, they run around, they get dirty all the time, they tear their clothes, they don't know how to properly take care of their things. Secondhand is pretty normal. Um, yeah, I don't know why the clothes are obviously secondhand and not simply obviously well-worn. Yeah. But uh, Keith's a master detective, so he'd be able to tell the difference, I guess. I don't know what uh, sh- she wore them extravagantly means. Like, there, when you're six years old, there really isn't other any other way to wear things. <laughs> you're proud of everything you have. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it sort of implies, like, that the clothes are not weird, but she's wearing them in a weird way. But I don't know how that could be true. I know this is supposed to be, like... An indication that she's autistic, which doesn't really make any sense, um, because with little kids, and this was absolutely the way that I was as a child, I, I am autistic, mm-hmm. um, and this is relevant to what we're going to be talking about later on, um, but I was extremely sensitive about the the type of clothes I wore, like how they felt, uh, the length of the sleeves, if they had a hood or not, uh, the material that they were made out of. If they had words on them. Um, So I could definitely buy. She's wearing a lot of mismatched clothes. Because these are the only clothes. That she could find. That she liked the texture of. Yeah. And even though they don't go together. Her comfort is what matters here. And it's not really a big deal. She's six years old. But that's not the impression I get from this. Yeah. And the outfit doesn't actually sound that strange. For a six year old. Like. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the string of alphabet beads to where the to like hold the glasses on is is uh, a bit of an eccentric touch, except that she's six, and that's probably just convenient. Yeah. And again, like she's six, she probably thinks that's really cool. Probably other six year olds think that's really cool too. <laughs> Mama, she said again, tugging at Sophia's jeans. Is that woman my abuela? Sophia had no choice but to turn to her daughter, getting down on her knees so they were eye level. Alexi, she began. She had no choice. <laughs> Alexi, she began, taking hold of the girl's small hands. I want you to go play with this nice boy. His name is Mateo. Alexi, or the name that Keith now knew her as. <laughs> what do you mean? That's her name. <laughs> That's her name. 
puckered her bottom lip in protest. But what about Abuela? Keith couldn't help it. He turned to look at Rosa. Her eyes were rimmed with red as if ready to cry. It was a strange mixed emotion red from her face. She was obviously angry. Take a drink. And there was something Keith, that was something Keith wasn't accustomed to. She was also sad, the tears falling as she looked down at her granddaughter for the first time. What would you, it, it just said her eyes were rimmed with red as if ready to cry. You can't, this is all happening in the same moment. Yeah. So you can, you can't just say like she's she's crying at the same moment that, that she's, she's ready, ready to, to cry. cry. Yeah. The tears falling as she looked down at her granddaughter for the first time. Keith could only imagine the thoughts running through Rosa's head. Here was the girl, this six-year-old child that Rosa had never seen before, calling her abuela as if they were family. No, they were family. Um, I want everybody to also pay attention to how Alexi is treated because she is either she's completely ignored, basically. Yes. She's treated as just as much of a pariah as her mother, um, which is like itself a problem, but even more of a problem when it refers to a six-year-old who didn't do anything especially yes. referring to an autistic six-year-old because it, we'll, 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 we'll get to this later on um, yeah I think next uh, next episode is actually when we're really going to get into it uh, because that's there's one scene and it's like Alexi's only real scene in the story uh, apart from this one where she has like two lines where she's explicitly described as autistic Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it more then, I think. But yeah, um, Alexia is essentially only autistic so that her autism can be an additional burden to Sophia. Um, she exists as a, a narrative advi- device to, to pile on hardship onto this character. Also, I think it is bizarre that Alexi was brought to this. Because Sophia has no idea how this reunion is going to go. She is potentially bringing her six-year-old into an extremely volatile situation. And in fact, a fight does break out. I think overall we get the impression that she is a good mother to Alexei. But this is not a good parenting call. (laughs) Like, bringing her daughter to this was a really, really bad judgment call. Sophia looked on the brink of tears, and she tucked a strand of hair behind Alexi's ear. The strand was so curly. Sophia's act of love hardly did anything to move the amount of hair from the six-year-old's face. What do you mean? She just said she tucked it behind her ear. It's a strand also. Yeah, um, I, I, I think what they're trying to say is like, oh, she tucked it behind her ear, but it immediately sprung back, but... That's right. Or she again. or she tucked a strand of hair behind her ear, but she has so much hair that it's not really making a difference that she moved that one strand. You can talk to your Sophia halted her next word, closing her eyes to take a short moment. Uh, Abuela later. Please go play with Mateo. Mateo held the iguana close to his body with one hand, reaching the other out to Alexi. Yeah, I like to play. We can go see my goat and my chickens and my cat. Have you ever seen a chicken? Alexi giggled at Mateo and nodded her head. Of course I've seen a chicken. There are nine of them. I counted. With one last glance toward her mother, Alexi was lead away by Mateo's hand. Keith watched them go, and for a moment he wished he could join them. <laughs> he didn't want to be an adult in this situation. He didn't want to be present He's to the tension. He's not been an adult in any situation. He hasn't. He didn't want to be present to the tension that was slowly oozing back. What did he want? For everything to be okay. The tension had to be cut with the steak knife earlier, and now it's oozing. <laughs> um. Oh my god, he starts doing this emo shit again. However, that is and always will be an unrealistic expectation. If Keith knew anything, it was that life always had negativity. Coincidentally, life always had positivity, as one cannot exist without the other. Why are we getting philosophical all of a sudden? It's also not really saying anything. Like, duh. 
Fucking duh. <laughs> yeah, did you know you can't have hope without despair? Crazy. As soon as Alexi and Mateo turned the hallway corner, Rosa let her head whip around to stare at Sophia again. The tears on her face were drying, yet new ones continued to fall. Okay. C- combining with the anger she held for her lost daughter. Why does she hold anger for her lost daughter? Right, uh, again, right. Like, like, we you, don't like you have said, a reason. The only reason why anger at Sophia could possibly be justified is that they believe that she left of her own volition. Yeah. That she has voluntarily, like, disowned the family and cut everyone off. Otherwise, they may have some resentment toward her for leaving, but that would have faded over six years. The only thing that would be remaining is, I wish we could have Sophia back. I don't buy this from someone like Rosa. Yeah, um... What's going on here, Sophia? Period. No question mark. (laughs) Well, I mean, the next sentence does clarify that it is not a question, it is a demand... The sentence sounded more like a demand than a polite question. The words spitting through the gaps in Rosa's teeth. Rosa's small, withered hands were balled into fists at her sides, gripping tightly to her skirt for balance. She's so angry that her hands are in fists. Also, withered. Withered again. (laughs) Not great. Yeah. I don't understand how um, balling her hands into fists are, are... helping her balance (laughs) like maybe maybe you could say like oh she's she looks winded she looks like she's about to faint um she put her hands against the wall to brace herself but no that's yes (laughs) or perhaps she's planted her feet wide apart um which could even be interesting because on the one hand it looks like she's dancing up but on the other hand she's like trying not to pass out As far as we know at this point sophia's only mistake was getting pregnant at 17, which could happen to anyone. There are a variety of circumstances that could lead to this. Um, we, we don't know anything about it. And Keith has had... We uh, never casuals. actually find out the, the circumstances behind her getting pregnant. I mean, it's clarified later that Keith has fully formed this impression of Sophia as being like a wild teenager who I guess was just like sleeping around and got pregnant and we don't even know if that's the case which we don't know if that's the case at all first of all even if it were true this doesn't it doesn't justify she was was 17 17. she was a kid she's stupid teenagers have sex all the time right only they do dumb shit yeah they do dumb shit all the time the only difference between keith and and sophia because keith has been having casual sex since he was in high school is that right. Keith can't get pregnant mm-hmm. like that's literally the only difference right it's it's a completely misogynistic read of her to just think like oh you got pregnant at 17 you must be a slut um right it's, it's not like these characters uh have been chased in their teenage years well, keep, keep this in mind as as we observe Rose's actions. Mm-hmm. Sophia stood slowly, her face neutral in order to hide her true emotion. I'm sorry. Rosa spit out again, voice vicious. Don't say you're sorry. Tell me why you're really here. Tell me why you're here. Unannounced. Showing up with this child that calls me abuela. Tell me what's going on. What the hell is this reaction? I could see if she was angry about specific parts of this. I... Could see if Rosa was angry that Sophia brought Alexei into what is potentially a volatile situation. Because I I think that's very bad parenting. You have just introduced Alexei to her family, which we learn later that the whole reason Sophia showed up now is because Alexei has been asking about her extended family. And so it's like, all right, well, you get to meet them. No idea if they'll accept us, though. What if the door was slammed in their faces? 
That would be heartbreaking for her. She's six. She's also autistic and therefore has, like, she she adjusts to situations and new people slower than the average child. Right. This this could be more difficult for her to deal with than the average six-year-old. And this would be difficult for any six-year-old. Listen to the way Sophia responds here. For a moment, Sophia didn't respond, just clenching her jaw and biting at her bottom lip. Then she spoke, her words sternly calm and contained. I promise I'll explain. I have an explanation. I do. Just... She paused, turning to stare at Keith. It was as if if she'd just realized he was in the room. Even if Keith was unwelcome, even if it was a private affair, it still allowed him to observe her more closely for the first time. She had dark freckles on her nose, similar to Lance. Though more prominent, this isn't the time for this. Um... Her nose belonged to Jamie. Her eyes belonged to Rosa. Danny and Sophia had the same distinct face shape, her body type reminding Keith of Cleo. She was definitely a Sanchez. Um, Her body type reminding Keith of Cleo? Why are you examining a 14-year-old's body so... I I also think it's funny how Keith is only able to closely observe Sophia when she looks at him. (laughs) Like, her looking at him has... Uh, no effect over his ability to observe her. And it was then, as she looked him up and down, noticing Keith's hand intertwined (laughs) with Draco's now, with Lance's. (laughs) Then Keith realized she hadn't been there when Lance came out of the closet. She didn't know about Lance's bisexuality, and so here Keith was, holding Lance's hand. And they both had black Satanist signs on their nails. (laughs) (laughs) Sophia wrenched her gaze away from Keith. I don't want Lance and his, she paused again, boyfriend in the room, Keith didn't need to be told twice. He wanted out of the room, and now was the perfect opportunity to take Lance's hand and flee, except Lance didn't want to run away. That much was evident when he yanked his hand from Keith's grasp. No, Lance declared bravely, taking a step toward his sister. <laughs> He's so brave. I have a right to know why you're here. Again, I I really like this, this how you've come up with, like, uh some letter that Jamie has forged. Because this is the only way I could see them reacting like this. I have a lot of thoughts about Lance's reaction here because I can totally buy Lance having been angry and having felt betrayed when this initially happened. He was a kid and his older sister left and he was told that she ran away and it seems like from what he's been told or at least what's been implied to him he has the impression that Sophia like hates them and that she's cut them off. Yeah I mean he told he told um he told Keith that yeah like, but he also said that Sophia wouldn't let her parents see their own six-year-old granddaughter, which is not the situation, which either means that he has wild, wildly misinterpreted the situation or he's been given false information. Yes. But not, we we can either, like, confirm or deny either of them. Right. Let me actually read how Lance uh, reacts. Yes, uh, because I want to talk about this a lot, so let's just read it. So. Sophia scowled, a huff escaping her nose. I just want to talk to mom. Why? This is what, the first time you've talked to her in six years? Lance, Sophia groaned, running a hand through her curls. Please don't do this now. No! His shout was was malicious, making both Rosa and Keith jump from the eruptive noise. Keith shivered just from watching the red in Lance's face. Something told Keith that this was Lance's anger flaring. Oh my god, he (laughs) is such a good detective. (laughs) Lance has been good at keeping his emotions under wraps in other situations. When? No, he hasn't. <laughs> Lance is very emotional. Yeah, he's very emotional and uh, a- a- emotive. Yeah. Um, he is not the keeping his emotions under wraps guy. That's more Keith than the story. Okay, 
listen to this. Something told Keith that this was Lance's anger flaring. Lance had been mm. good at keeping his emotions under wraps in other situations, especially when confronting Jamie. He wasn't, wasn't there, there for, for that. that. He wasn't there for he that. He wasn't in the room when that happened. <laughs> he left. Mm, this sucks so much. Now then, this was something different, like a balloon releasing all it is helium into the world. Lance was like that. His inner balloon has finally been popped. That is such a weird, ineffectual metaphor. Like, oh, a balloon popping and releasing its helium. Oh, balloons are small and uh, helium's pretty harmless and <laughs> in small concentrations. Oh, it does nothing. It just makes me think of better similes, like... I felt like my slim legs would break in half and my heart expanded like a big balloon. Like, yeah, that is a better a... simile. I yeah, don't know what that's... it means, but it's better. No, Lance repeated, though quieter. I do get to do this now. I've waited so long to do this, Sophia. Lance, Rosa muttered. Her voice held with warning. Lance ignored it, instead clenching his fists. You were gone six years. Six fucking years. Do you even know what happened in that time? Lance, Rosa ushered again, moving toward her son cautiously. Please don't do this now. You know, I don't understand why Rosa is being so judgmental of Lance's reaction, because Rosa was just doing the same thing. Like, she interrupted um, Sophia when Sophia was uh, apologizing. I have thoughts about Rosa's reaction, but I'm going to sit on it for now. Yeah, I, I mean, I could buy it if it was like, Sophia says, I'm sorry, I'm here now. Uh, that's it. And and so and Rosa's like, no, no, you need to give us more of an explanation for this. Um, Lance continued to ignore his mother's warnings, instead focused on his words and the poison that came with them. Keith could only wonder how long Lance had dreamed of this moment. Keith knew he wasn't the only one had felt the way he did. People often dreamed of one day being able to yell at someone who'd wronged them. It's a sense of justice, a sense of closure that most people crave. So ma so it made sense, at least in Keith's eyes, why Lance would have used this opportunity to let out his anger at his sister. Okay, I really like this scene in concept, but I don't think that it would go down this way. Um, here's the thing. Imagine, like you said, Lance views Sophia running away as a rejection of, of, of Lance. Uh, they were apparently like best friends. They were thick as thieves. Uh, mm -hmm. They loved each other so much. And then one day uh, Sophia gets pregnant and she runs off. This is Lance's impression of, of the situation. Um, mm -hmm. And regardless of whether or not this, this may be true, uh, he was, what, 14 when this happened? So there were obviously, like, nuances uh, to the situation that he could not possibly understand. Mm -hmm. But this is his interpretation of the situation, and his, it has stuck with him all these years, and he hasn't been able to uh, really come to terms with it because his idea uh, of Sophia at this point has just been like, oh, she's she's a villain. She's She betrayed me. She hates me. I hate her too. Uh, if I ever get the chance to see her again, I'm going to... Give her a piece of my mind. Give her a piece of my mind and I'm going to tell her how much she hurt me and how much she hurt this family. But yes. the way this would actually work is he tries to say something like this and then he just breaks down crying. Yes. Because yes. We, we, we yes. all have these... We all have these fantasies. We all have these fantasies of doing this to someone. It's it it's not going to work. It's not going to be an a shonen moment. It's not you're not going to have an epic speech and everybody's going to clap and uh they're going to be like, "Oh, you're so right. I'm so sorry." It's just not going to happen. Okay, yeah. Um because about what Rosa says here, when 
Lance says, I do get to do this now. I've waited so long to do this. And Rosa starts to interrupt and say, please don't do this now. The impression that gives me is that Rosa has heard the speech. Lance has said these things before. He's expressed these sentiments about Sophia and probably his mother has tried to talk him down. Oh, don't be so mad at her. And here Lance is just like, I have to, I have to forge ahead and I have to say all these things that I've been wanting to say all this time. But this is, these are his emotions from when he was 14 and from when the situation was immediate and all this time has passed. And I'm sure as soon as he like, if you're really in this situation, if you have this years long anger and resentment towards somebody and that's, that somebody is, you know, a loved one, family. So the emotions are complicated. Like, it's it's not as though um, they are, like, ex-friends or something where Lance could decide to cut Sophia off completely. They still have familial ties, and if she is accepted back into the family, uh, he has to come to terms with his feelings around this, right? There's kind of no getting out of this one for him. This is his moment where, where he has to confront his feelings about Sophia, and these are all his feelings about his, uh, Sophia, like these old ones from when he was a kid, and I could even see this, like, I mean, it's silly, but in the mind of a teenager, I could see how he perceives Sophia leaving as the moment where everything went bad for him, because after Sophia left, Benji got cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, Lance came out as bi and was not accepted by his father or his grandmother. And he wishes he could have had his big sister there for him in those moments, and he didn't, and he resents her for that. He has to realize rationally, as a 20-year-old, that it is ridiculous to pin all of this on her. And I don't know why this isn't a moment where, like, he starts saying these things and is realizing as he's saying them that it's absurd to blame her for this and he can't keep up the anger. Like, I don't know why he doesn't just break down Absolutely. Crying. Yep. If, if you, if this is your first time experiencing dirty laundry, you may be thinking, well, what's wrong with this? Lance is obviously ha has this like, I mean, he was a teenager. This is a perfectly normal interpretation that he could have of the situation. It's wrong because when it happened, he was a teenager. But here's the thing. We're supposed to be on Lance's side here. Yeah. It's also, I mean, it's not, it's not presented to us as if Lance is being overly emotional and um, voicing the thoughts he had about the situation, like, growing up. We are supposed to think he's justified. We're supposed to think that he is justified in saying all these things to her and that he needs to get this out of his system for their relationship to progress. That she has to earn his forgiveness here is the is the idea. As, as, as though, like, Sophia wronged Lance by leaving. And... We're meant to think that that's, like, a justified opinion simply because Lance is a main character, and Sophia therefore matters less. And this keeps going on. Like, it, it, if you think we're done here, no, he is not done ragging on Sophia. Sophia bit her lip, staring Lance down with an equal amount of emotion. I know I was gone, Lance. That's why I'm here now. This is, like, a perfectly rational response. She's like, Lance, I understand you're angry, but I couldn't fix anything if I didn't come back. You, like, you understand that, right? And and this is painful for both of them, but 
Sophia is the one who's taking action here. She's doing the right thing by coming back. She should have called ahead of time. She should have sent a letter or something. She shouldn't have brought her uh, her six-year-old daughter into uncharted territory like this. Mm-hmm. Like, that that's definitely uh, a mistake, I would say, on her part. But it's never acknowledged as, as a mistake. Like, that's... Like, that's, that's not the part that's b- bad, apparently. Right, like what I was going to say earlier about Rose's reaction, um, it's, it's not actually um, that she's mad that Sophia showed up without warning and brought her daughter into the situation. It's that sh- she's mad that Sophia showed up at all. Lance hadn't reached a sobbing level yet, though Keith could sense it's, it is oncoming presence with every stuttering breath. Keith wasn't ready to see them, to see the tears, and he was suppressing every urge in his body, telling him to do something. Hug him! Hold him! Take him away! This just, I'm just reading this in the tone of uh, Don't Let Me Go from Shrek the Musical. Keith wouldn't do any of those. He refused because this was Lance's battle to fight, and Lance was going to fight it as he pleased alone but why now why not four years ago when i was coming out of the closet why not three years ago when benji was sick and going through chemo why did you even have to leave in the first place i don't know why keith doesn't intervene here Mm -hmm. because this is like lance is clearly losing it at this point he's about to break down crying i could get earlier maybe keith having the impression like okay i just need to let him say this but at this point he's like having a bit of a breakdown And it seems weird that Keith is just letting this happen. I mean, like, it carries the implication that he thinks the way Lance is talking to Sophia is justified. Which (sighs) we know later that he does think that. Sophia was red in the face, a mixture of embarrassment, sadness, and slight anger. I know I fucked up, Lance, and I can't take back the past. That's why I'm here now. I'm trying to explain why I... She's being completely rational here. Yeah. Uh, Which I, I can buy. She's older than... Lance and uh, is clearly more mature. But then Lance shoots back. You got pregnant, Sophia. And then you left, ran away because you were scared. You ran away to raise your kid and be stupid. And instead of responding, Lance, I was kicked out. I had no choice. I did the best I could for myself and my and my daughter, who is your uh, niece, by the way, who you should um, be acting nicer to. Um, yeah, I should point out, Sophia was kicked out. We objectively know that. That is, yes. that is true. We, 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 we don't, we don't know this yet, but we find out later on. And there's no reason why Sophia wouldn't point out at this point, I didn't run away. I was kicked out. Like, this is the objective fact. This is the objective truth of the situation. Sophia was kicked out by her father. Right. And if she is not revealing that for some reason. Like, perhaps she thinks it will escalate the fight if she reveals that card. She doesn't, like, try to steer the conversation away from that, either. Mm -hmm. She doesn't react at all to him saying, you ran away because you were scared. This is presumably, like, the first she's hearing of Lance hearing the story that she ran away. Yeah. Why isn't she like, oh my god, you think I ran away voluntarily? If she does not want to explicitly say dad kicked me out because it would cause a bigger fight, why doesn't she pause here? Why isn't she taken aback by the realization that this is what her little brother believes about the situation? And this is where the vitriol is coming from. Why doesn't she pause to reevaluate and to think like... Oh, that's why he's so angry. I have to find a way to de-escalate this so that I can explain it to him in private what happened. 
but she instead chooses to escalate the situation. Like, she's completely right with what she says here, but she's still escalating. She says, you don't think I know all of that, Lance? Of course I know I was. it was stupid. I was a teenager. Of course I was stupid. All teenagers are stupid. And Lance replies, but that's not an excuse, Lance cried, jabbing a finger in Sophia's direction. He was truly crying now, fat alligator tears rolling down his cheeks. That's not you- what alligator tears <laughs> means. First of all, the expression is crocodile tears, and it specifically means fake tears. Fake because tears. Because reptiles don't cry. Yeah. <laughs> alligator tears. Why do we have to explain this? <laughs> Let me read the comments. Someone points out, aren't aren't alligator tears fake tears? Well, yes, they're crocodile tears. Um. <laughs> Someone says. Actually, crocodile tears are fake tears. Maybe alligator tears are real then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is that one painting of the philosophers. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Except it's like a bunch of um middle schoolers and they're talking about clants. Yeah. Keith wasn't sure what to do. The harsh words thrown back and forth like a tennis ball. They're not being thrown <laughs> back and forth. Like a tennis ball. <laughs> like they're playing a little game of catch. They are not being thrown back and forth. Lance is the only one who's uh, using harsh words. Sophia is is explaining her situation. Like Sophia I got is pregnant. defending herself. Yeah, she's defending herself. She's not. She is not. <sighs> if we want to use the throwing things metaphor, Lance is slinging knives, and Sophia's like holding up a shield. There. Yeah, it was painful to watch, and he imagined even more painful to endure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> He's a really good detective. But the look on both their faces, the tears under both their eyes, it was equal heartbreak. Oh my god, Lance, Sophia looked ready to push her younger brother. I would. I would if I were her. I would fucking slap that bitch across the face. How fucking dare you? How fucking dare you? How dare you? She is a saint for not, for not like, just going off on Lance here. You have no idea what I've been through. I was kicked out. I didn't run away. I didn't have a choice. Yes, I got pregnant, which is something that you did not and will never have to deal with. You will never have to deal with getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. You will never have to be forced to go through what I did. And why are you calling me stupid? My daughter is the best thing that ever happened to me because she does love her daughter. Like, I Mm -hmm. would, I am like... There is this righteous anger in- I mean, Lance says you still did it and you can't take that back. Why doesn't she respond like, take what back, my fucking kid? Yeah, God, <laughs> your whole child. <laughs> when you, when you, when a, when oh, you- Oh, sorry, I'll just return her. <laughs> okay, this is well, well past the point where you are, uh, where, where you can potentially talk about an unwanted pregnancy as a mistake. Like, she the had child, the kid, she's she six. She had the kid. And she was a wanted child. They continue talking about Alexi like this, like she's a, like a burden and a mistake. And it's like, that's one thing to talk about with the pregnancy. Yes, I can understand how a 17-year-old who winds up unexpectedly pregnant would uh, feel burdened and would look upon getting pregnant, like that part, as a mistake. This is a whole six-year-old daughter that she has now that she loves dearly. This is an entire person. Yes. And and let me point out, once again, it's extra loaded because she is developmentally disabled. Yes. Because that's, that's the implication is that this is, this is what makes 
having to raise Alexei such a burden for her is that Alexei is autistic. Yeah. Because it has to be something additional. It's not just enough that she was kicked out for being pregnant at 17. Like, that's not horrific enough. We have to make it worse by making the child disabled. Yeah. Like... (laughs) And it seems like we're giving a very selfish read to Alexi here, but Alexi is not a character. She has, like, two scenes, and she's this only is one mentioned... Of We've already had one of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's only mentioned as autistic to further Sophia's uh, character development, which is only served to further the clan's development, um, because it's useless as, like, an extra hardship that uh, Sophia has had to deal with. Yes, you could absolutely just have her her daughter happen to be autistic, you know, as that happens in real life. Yes. Um, But if, if that was the case, then it wouldn't have been brought up uh, later on as like an extra burden that Sophia has to deal with. You know, you'll, you'll, you know, hopefully we can explain ourselves better when the scene comes. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but like from all indications, Alexi's actually a pretty easy kid. Can I just say, I don't know, explain myself. Maybe I came back home after six years to explain myself and say, I'm sorry and make things right. I didn't come here to have you yell in my face, but you deserve it. Lance looked ready to punch a wall. And if he did, Keith wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I mean, that's, this is the other thing that I do not buy about Lance's reaction, because, I mean, like, I do not buy that he would continue going through the motions of his little rehearsed speech in the face of Sophia actually pushing back. Because he didn't know how she was going to react, right? I'm sure in his fantasy of this, she was crying and saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. But here she's she's arguing with him. I don't know why that doesn't make him reevaluate he obviously has to go off script to respond to what she's saying his fists were red knuckles so white you deserve it sophia because you were my older sister i looked up to you you were my hero and i may have been annoying and you may have thought me a pest but i loved you and i didn't deserve losing you especially at a young age like that it was like a bomb had dropped lance's final words strikingly accurate (laughs) what what do you mean strikingly accurate here's how sophia should respond here how fucking dare you make this about you? Yeah. I didn't deserve losing you. I didn't deserve losing my home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At 17. How dare you? Right. Like, this is this is absurd. Like, I, I mean, I am fine with Lance saying all these things. It is fine for characters to be wrong and uh, to get in arguments and to say fucking Absolutely. things to each other. No problem with any of that. I'd be totally cool if with... The scene, if Sophia responded like like she had a leg to stand on here, which she absolutely does, none of what he's saying is actually justified, um, she should be able to shut this down easily by pointing out that, yes, it, I'm sure it negatively impacted Lance that his older sister up and vanished on him, uh, but has he not thought about the negative impact to her life that she was kicked out of her home as a teenager? She was kicked out of her uh, home as a pregnant teenager? Pregnant. As a pregnant teenager. Right. This is not about him. It's fine that he has resentment towards her. That is absolutely fine. You can have resentment towards someone and have it not be justified. Like, yeah. Especially since it happened when Lance was, like, way too understand, uh, way too young to understand, like, what was actually going on. 14-year-olds I mean, impression... are selfish and they don't understand things. Exactly. Like... But- He's acting like That's he's fine. still 14, which I think I would like a lot if he was just, like, saying, like, I'm saying all the stuff that I thought when I was 14, but now that I'm saying them, I realize that this is a childish way of looking at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I could even imagine this, this scene with, like, keep Lance's dialogue exactly the same, except that, like, as he's 
going through the speech, um, there's, like, no interruptions. This is word vomit. And he's, like, breaking down, crying, and by the end of it, can't get the words out. Like, the whole thing falls apart. We're supposed to think this was justified. It was like a bomb had dropped. Lance's final words strikingly accurate. It's like you said, this is supposed to be a cool shonen moment. (laughs) They were a slap to Sophia's face. Keith swore he could see an invisible handprint in Sophia's expression. I, I... after after Lance said this, I think Sophia should have slapped Lance across the face. The invisible handprint thing is like, again, this is like a <laughs> cartoon trope. There were no words spoken from Sophia's lips after that. Silence had settled between the two of them. Sophia too pained to respond. Lance too emotionally drained to speak. Rosa broke the silence, having been present be- between their violent words. Um, Lance was the only one who was spewing violent words, but whatever. Yeah. She looked sad, and it was a type of sad that reminded Keith of a woman mourning. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she has been mourning. She's been mourning this whole time and is now not because her daughter's back. Yeah, you got you got that on <laughs> wrong. He hated seeing Rosa like that, and if he could do anything to put a smile back on her face, he would do so in an instant. He's in love with her. He's not thinking this about Lance. <laughs> Sophia, Rosa whispered, dried tears staining her skin. Tears don't stain your skin. Why did you come back now? She just said why. She said, I came back to make things right. Well, emphasis on now, I think. Keith wasn't sure what he expected Sophia to say. The way her face changed, it made him wonder if her next words were truly genuine. I think everything she said has been genuine. Why is why is this a question in his head? Why is, why is she being cast into doubt here? Like, she's everything. We have no reason to doubt her. Keith is, like, mentally holding a trial right now. Alexi, she whispered simply. It was Alexi. She asked why she had no family, and I guess Sophia wiped at her tear-filled eyes. I guess it broke my heart a little because I couldn't tell her the truth, how the reason was my fault. There was more silence, and Sophia looked up like she was expecting Lance and Rosa to insult her. Well, I mean, she is, because that's all they've been doing. None ever came, the two of them completely willing to listen, even if they were emotional. So she continued, I have reasons why I never came back, and I could go on and on about them. Well, I mean, her reason was that she was kicked out, and didn't think yeah. that she would be welcome back, presumably. She doesn't go on and on about them, uh, yeah, by the way. Um, that never happens. Sophia was crying profusely now, though her words were still understandable. The woman didn't dare make eye contact with the others, mostly out of embarrassment. But I can't, not now, later maybe, but right now, can you at least be happy that I'm here? I know you all deserve to hold a grudge. I understand your anger, but I'd rather just be welcome home to the family I remember, just for now. Keith wasn't sure what he expected of Rosa. However, if he if if knew anything about the woman, it was that she was forgiving. She doesn't seem very forgiving. I okay, about Sophia's reaction here. It would be one thing if Sophia had strongly internalized the idea that she did fuck up by getting pregnant and that that was like something bad that she did and she's in the wrong. Like Perhaps she has been going on the whole time in her head thinking, like, yeah, my dad was right to kick me out. I deserved it. I was a bad kid. But if so, that's never made clear. And she's clearly proud of Alexi and all the work she's done to build a life for herself after being kicked out. I mean, yeah, we we'll get to this. We were later. She she does talk about um, how she's uh gotten back on her feet after being kicked out and like it's it's pretty impressive considering what she went through and again she's 23 she's quite young but she has like future plans it seems like she's she's doing quite well all things considered um and certainly has reasons to be like proud of herself and her daughter it's just like if she does actually feel like she was 
in the wrong for having gotten pregnant as a teenager, I want that to be addressed because she shouldn't think that, right? Like We are 100% meant to think that Lance is completely correct in his assessment of the situation and that Sophia is in the wrong. Right. Like, I can't. I know it's unbelievable. Like you may you may be listening to this and think that can't possibly be right. You must be like reading it wrong. But no, no, we are meant to think that Sophia is the bad one here. Right. And so that's that's why when Sophia is saying like, yeah, I was stupid. Um, and when she's acting embarrassed and uh, shocked into silence after Lance says his piece, that's not because she is still like traumatized over this issue into thinking that she was in the wrong. It's because like the author is having Sophia acknowledge that Lance has a point, even though she's pushing back against him because the author thinks that Lance is objectively correct here. And so so Sophia has to acknowledge that even while arguing. Even though Rosa was angry, Keith could see it in her eyes. She still chose to pull Sophia into a hug. Rosa deserved an explanation. She deserved to be furious. She deserved justice. <laughs> but instead... <laughs> justice? Justice what for justice? what? Her husband's the one in the wrong here. Justice for what? Sophia accidentally getting pregnant at 17? What? She's, she's a 17-year-old who, like most 17-year-olds, was having sex. Yeah. And I mean, we can, we can have this bittersweet hug scene because there's a version of it that I think is fine where it's like, this situation is not resolved. Um, there's still a lot of tensions to unpack, but Rosa is choosing to um, hug Sophia and accept her back into the family because she wants to work on things. Like, sure. Okay. Like, I get that it's a messy situation and not everything is going to be resolved with a hug. Maybe, I'm thinking maybe I could understand Rosa's anger more if... We knew more about the circumstances of Sophia getting pregnant. Like, maybe maybe Rosa was always stressing, remember to be safe, take your birth control, and maybe Sophia just didn't do that or something. But, we you know, e- never find e- out anything about Alexi's dad also. What if it was like, uh, you were always hanging around with that scumbag boyfriend and I told you to be careful. And, like, like what if, what if it was a situation where she had... Like, a boyfriend who was not approved of by the family for maybe justifiable reasons. Um, And that's where part of the resentment comes from. But we don't know anything about the situation. This could give an explanation for Rose's, like, alleged constant sex talks. Like, remember to be safe. Yeah, the safe sex talks. Yeah. But, you know, it it doesn't really make a difference either way. Yeah, what if the disparate parts of the story related to each other? What if, um... The tension between Lance and his dad had anything to do with the tension between Sophia and her dad. Okay, so here's 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 another thing. It doesn't even matter if, like, I, I'm thinking way too much into this because it ultimately doesn't matter if she was responsible or not when she was having sex. Because even right. if she was responsible, she could have accidentally gotten pregnant anyway. Yep. Sometimes, like, oopsies happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, like, even if she was irresponsible, that doesn't really, like... I would be sympathetic with her either way, even if she wasn't responsible. Yes. Because she's a stupid teenager and things happen. I mean, what if we know that there was a lot of tension in the home around Sophia leading up to the time when she was kicked out? That could also justify 
why the rest of them have the impression that she ran away. What if uh, Sophia and Rosa were constantly butting heads? I can certainly see that between Rosa and a teenager. Yeah. Even if if there wasn't, like, um, any deeper underlying issue, I can certainly see that a 17-year-old would be pushing back a lot against her mom. Um, that is the perfect age for that. And what if what Lance remembers from being in his early teens is Sophia constantly acting out and fighting with his parents, and then one day she's gone, and all he hears is, like, Sophia ran away and she's not coming back. And he thinks in his head, like, that Sophia is the instigator because he didn't actually know what she was fighting with their parents about, and he just perceives her as, like, the troublemaking older sibling who went too far. Like, we have no idea of the sequence of events leading up to Sophia running away. Was everything hunky-dory and then she just vanished? We or... know nothing. We have no idea. I I'm trying to think of the most, like, generous read I can give Sophia's family, but e even if, even with, like, in my wildest imagination, Sophia still isn't, like, the villain here. Because she made a dumb mistake because she was a teenager. Right. And she was kicked out by her father, which we know is an objective truth. Rosa deserved an explanation. She deserves to be furious. She deserved justice. No, Sophia deserved justice. Justice for Sophia. She chose to be humble. Yeah. She chose to wrap her arms around her lost daughter like the mother she needed to be. She should have done sorry, that first. Sorry for going rewrite brain again, but can you just imagine if Jamie is also present for the scene and everyone else is like unaware that Jamie's the one who kicked... Sophia out because then she has an actual incentive to not reveal that she was kicked out because she realizes that no one knows except her dad and it's going to cause more tension if she reveals that in front of him. Um, and meanwhile, like, everyone is yelling at Sophia and Jamie's standing there uncomfortably like, that's not actually what happened, but I can't say anything because then I'm the bad guy. Ugh! It was the sort of love that made Keith turn away. It was the, that kind of love that made him uncomfortable, that kind that scared him. I thought all love scared him. And maybe yes. that's why Keith respected Rosa so much, why he looked up to her, because she loved her children unconditionally. Lance may have been bisexual. <laughs> Sophia may have been a rebel, but she loved them. She loved them just as much as the other children. Keith didn't doubt she would die for them, so he turned around, taking the stairs one step at a time. We don't know that Sophia is a rebel. Uh, Lance's bisexuality is not a reason to love him less. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like, comparing Lance's bisexuality to so Sophia being a rebel, which is not even something we know about her, is already a false comparison. <laughs> Because Lance's bisexuality is an innate fact about him that has nothing to do with his behavior. Rosa's love of Sophia also appears to be conditional because um, <laughs> of of the way that she... Re like, she saw her, her long-lost daughter for the first time in six years and her immediate reaction was anger. The idea that unconditional love is what scares Keith is interesting or would be if it was explored. Um, this, this concept of unconditional love keeps being brought up, and I don't think the author realizes what that means. I want to pull something out of this because Keith is also dealing with having serious romantic feelings for someone for the first time, and I want him to be considering whether or not his love for Lance is conditional. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, we've gotten the sense that Keith is overwhelmed by his feelings for Lance, which, I mean, from our perspective makes sense because his feelings are extremely rapid onset. 
And, I mean, we were talking about this before, but he jumped immediately to, like, thinking about marrying this guy, which is alarming because of its intensity. But the idea that what might alarm Keith about it is that, like, this idea that he has no choice in the matter, that he loves Lance no matter what and there's nothing he can do about it, which is scary for him from the perspective that his feelings might be unreciprocated. All right. So I think this is where we're going to stop for this week. Um, I, like like I said, uh, the main meme that has come out of this story is Abuela is coming. Isn't that so funny? Uh, and I'm pretty sure it, uh, like all the fandom discourse and stuff went uh, down on Tumblr. So I think we are going to do a little digging and see what we can find uh, that remains of the 2016 to 2017 discourse on that website. So we will see you after the break. we're back we are back so why don't we take a look on tumblr and see what dirty laundry related posts we uh can find uh remaining from 2016 but actually you know i'm searching a dirty laundry clants and the first thing i see is from one day ago (laughs) but anyway do you want to start with reading a post like maybe we'll go back and forth i'll find a post to read and you find another one because I, I actually don't know how much is still remaining on here. Yeah, um, here's a post that I'm just confused by. Yeah? This is from April 26th of last year, so almost exactly a year ago someone posted this. Um, I'm re-watching Voltron, and Lance is so comp And just remembered how baited we were when Voltron was still airing. That was unfucking believable Yes, I will still complain about Voltron in Lord's Year of 2022. Um, and this is tagged with a bunch of things, including, yes, I'm a Lance McLean Kinney. Yes, I reread Dirty Laundry today. I mean, what do you make of this post? I mean, I kind of wanted to just state outright, um, we're not, like, uh, trying to make fun of these people and certainly don't go after any of them because you are allowed to post whatever stupid shit you want on tumblr that's what tumblr is for um so we're 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 just kind of trying to gauge the um the phantom by what remains of it on right i mean most of this went down you could find all these posts i'm sure by searching the search terms we did but um obviously the point here is not to go after any of these people it's just to see what people are saying about the story yeah. Have a snapshot of the takes on this, and we do have a lot of people talking about this from, you know, within the past year or so, including this person who I guess is rewatching Voltron and has tied it back to Dirty Laundry, which has like the least possible amount to do with Voltron while still being a Voltron fanfic. Yeah, barely anything. Right, which I mean, it just seems weird to me. I get it that this was a big story for the fandom, obviously. Uh, it was the most popular fic for this show, but it's also an AU. It has so little to do with canon Voltron that it strikes me as odd that someone would rewatch the show and 
been like this should have been like dirty laundry when dirty laundry is just something completely different from the show like it's not trying to be the show i i i definitely think that there are a lot of bad decisions that the voltron writers made obviously i yeah it's just i guess i guess my my issue with this post is that um they are rewatching the show and they're mad and they feel like clance should have been canon which is all like fine but the one example that they pull that back to is dirty laundry which has so little to do with the show (laughs) there's so many other clance fanfics out there and there's lots of takes on it that are like you know within the bounds of canon we read one last week so i mean i guess it just shows like the the sticking power and influence that this has because under normal circumstances just like setting its popularity aside i would think it would be very strange that dirty laundry would be like yeah this is how i wanted it to go it's an au it's it's it it kind of makes me want to side with the voltron writers which is (laughs) i don't want to do because they're kind of like well i like dirty laundry and i think it should have ended up like dirty laundry therefore we were baited and i definitely think you could make some arguments that we were baited in in some way with with voltron but I think most of that was kind of in the fandom's head, and a lot of it had to do with the popularity of Dirty Laundry and people, like, overwriting their uh, interpretations of the characters in Voltron with, like, how they are characterized in Dirty Laundry. And they're not actually characterized particularly well in Dirty Laundry either, which makes it extra confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this post is from April 18th yes. of this year, so oh. a week ago. <laughs> oh, day after my birthday, too, which... I don't like that they posted that so close to... (laughs) This was your birthday present. So I'm doing this narrative editing course, right? And we have to read a bunch of unpublished books and evaluate them and make connections with other pieces of media we know in this one. I swear... I'm returning this already. I'm sorry, you can take it back to the store. It has so much in common with Dirty Laundry. I just have to say it, but how do I explain to this club of boomers that there's this culturally significant, soul-alterating piece of fanfiction where the same plot is carried out way better? How? Well, you don't, because that's not true. I've been thinking about this for days. I swear, Voltron, VLD, Voltron Legendary Defender, Clance, Dirty Laundry, AO3, fanfiction, Voltron fanfic. I mean, I get it that there are fics that stick with you if you, like, read fanfiction. This being one of them is the part that I'm judging. (laughs) Like, this sticking with you in any sort of positive way. I mean, I guess it has tropes, but apart apart from that, it's like, it doesn't even do any of the tropes well. Like, I don't think there's a single aspect of Dirty Laundry that it gets right. It doesn't get the relationship right. This isn't the dynamic between Keith and Lance in the show, and it's also not, like, a natural extrapolation of what that would look like in a lower-stakes situation. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, the reason you recognize uh, connections with, like, some other things is because Dirty Laundry is oops all tropes. <laughs> yeah. So if you recognize uh, similarities with other pieces of media, it's because that's where the author got them from. It's... The thing about stories is that they are made up of tropes. Yeah. And um, if your story is nothing but tropes, like Dirty Laundry, and I think when we say that... Uh, we mean that it's not bringing anything new to the table. Obviously, like, when we talk about tropes, uh, like, I think a lot of people, like, will call a work tropey in a derogatory way, which is very silly because everything is tropey, everything has tropes in it. But although tropes themselves are inherently neutral, there's definitely, like, clever and interesting ways to execute these tropes so that they feel fresh and that 
so that they're engaging in some way, or at a bare minimum, minimum so that they make sense for the characters in the story. And this just kind of shoved a bunch of different tropes into the fanfic with no regard for if they went together, how they would fit together, because a lot of these would honestly work in tandem if there was any work done to tie them together. Like, I mean, this, the stuff about uh, Lance's troubled relationship with his dad would tie in naturally with Sophia's troubled relationship with their dad, but uh -huh. these are like two separate plot threads that don't tie together even though they logically should. And I think that's what we're what we mean when we say it's all tropes is that it's like a good story is like a patchwork quilt, right? And this is just the individual pieces of patchwork. Yeah, it's that's not a good the way same. To put it. They're not connected, right? Like <laughs> I'm 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 really honing in on the how do I explain to this club of boomers? Like <laughs> the only people who don't like dirty laundry are like old boomers who just don't get it. Like I thought we were millennials, but I think we have to reevaluate now. Uh, my parents are boomers. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I wonder if if they're actually they're just like using boomer as like a, a derogatory way of referring to like someone who's older than me and just doesn't get it, or if they actually mean I'm literally in a narrative editing course with a bunch of uh boomers, like <laughs> with a bunch of sixty year olds, yeah. <laughs> Um, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's probably the former, which makes it funnier. Um, <laughs> These are probably like some 30 or something. Like, they're probably realistically talking about older millennials. Okay, so Voltron was neither culturally significant nor soul-alterating. Um, so I highly doubt I mean, it could that... be soul-alterating. I don't think we have a <laughs> definition for that, so it oh, could be whatever the author wants. Uh, they say, we have to read a bunch of unpublished books and devalue them. Um, oh. So that could, whatever that means, maybe it could make sense. I'm not sure this person should be evaluating books quite yet. <laughs> I think, like, maybe there's a couple steps we have to go through first. Here's one from... This is from February of this year, and this person was sent an ask meme, um, which I think I think I recognize this one. It's the, like, send me the fire emoji, and I'll give you a hot take. Uh-huh. Uh, so this person sent the fire emoji and Lance Voltron, and OP responded, do we have all day? Okay, first, I hate Voltron writers. I hate them. This is a children's cartoon, and I watched it when I was child, basically, so... Before anyone asks why I care so much, this is why. Voltron was, like, supposed to be unlikely heroes, whatever, whatever, but then it became the Keith and traumatized Shiro show and its eye-roll emoji, specifically the later seasons, with showing a hint of possible Lance development. Boom, he's now just a re rebound for Allura, who fucking dies. And fandom perceptions, oh my god, dirty laundry? Ruined lives of everyone. Why was that ever written? The fact a grown adult who was like 22 when I was 13 felt the need to message me about how Lance wasn't written in a racist way. He was. Just so much hate in my heart. But unfortunately, Lance entered my life in a formative part of my life when I was really depressed. So he's like so important to me. My personality is like scarily similar to his and seeing Langst at that age was, well, shrug emoji. But whatever, I suppose. Pose, but I'm always ready to defend him, and he's basically just my character at this point, so I love him no matter what. A plus, A plus accuracy here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted to include this as, like, a little shout-out to this person. I I agree with pretty much all of that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, the, the point they highlight with, um, how they were, like, 
13 in this fandom and having like grown adults nearly twice their age um push back against them saying that a fanfic was racist and i mean this certainly isn't unique to dirty laundry this is a fandom culture problem right but i just think this is a real good example of it there's like a much bigger push to defend the author of this fanfiction than to look out for any of the fans who might have been negatively impacted by it um and like the situation op is describing is being like 13 years old and saying hey i think this fanfic might be racist and like someone has to jump down their throat about it defending the author but that's not even like saying that you wrote something racist isn't isn't a knock against the author as a person i mean we've been saying this about the story but I don't think the author consciously intended to to be racist. I think we can say pretty definitively that the author did not sit down and say, "Hmm, today I will be racist." Yeah. This is stuff this is stuff that happened because of the author's unconscious biases. Yeah. And it's it's something that should be pointed out because that's the only way they will learn from and change those biases. Like they don't need to be protected from that criticism. Yeah. And that's a real problem with fan fiction is that the urge is to protect authors from criticism. I mean, if you are interested in creative writing and you go and take a creative writing class, the bulk of the class will be sitting around criticizing each other's stories. Yeah, that's just how, that's it how is. you I'm learn. Sorry. Like that is that is how you learn to be a better writer is you take audience feedback. And guess what? If you can't properly take criticism, if you say stuff like, well, I wrote this for myself, or uh, I don't care what you think, the professor's just going to tell you to leave. Because that's a big part of creative writing, is learning to listen to and understand other people's criticism. And if that's your defense, if your defense is, I wrote this for myself, then it didn't have to be posted publicly, did it? No. Or if it did, then just, if you wrote it for yourself and you feel fine about it, then just don't respond to the criticism. But the author definitely did respond, so that wasn't the case. This post is from uh, January 15th of this year, and it says, Dirty laundry is great when you don't have a bitch in your ear telling you it's problematic. This is very funny to me because it's, um, it's, it's like, I, wow, I enjoy things so much more if I don't have to think critically about them. Also, yeah dirty laundry would be terrible even if it wasn't for all the problematic elements like even if we remove all the stereotypes about lance's family uh the ableism with the autistic character uh it would still suck ass like i'm sorry but it would still suck ass yeah also the the wording of like uh without a bitch in your ear telling you it's problematic first of all uh great way of implying that uh say uh people of color or women who might have issues with the story are just bitches. Mm -hmm. um, but second of all, the like implication that uh, this person would not recognize or care about any of the issues in the story if someone wasn't there to point it out to them. It's like, that's telling on yourself in a big way. I would expect like, I mean, and this would still be dumb for someone to say, like, yeah, dirty laundry is great if you turn your brain off and ignore how it's racist, but they're not even saying that. They're saying it's great if no one points out to you that it's racist. Yeah, they can't even do it themselves. I mean, for us, uh, the, the bitch in our ear telling us that the story is racist, that's us. Yeah, that's our brains. <laughs> yeah. Our, our brains that can <laughs> have, like, critical thinking skills. Yeah. 
This is from September of 2022, and this person says, I just finished reading a repost of Dirty Laundry on Wattpad, also the same one we're reading, and I was crying and laughing and gasping and going outside to scream in every chapter, mind you, and I loved it so much, and reading it has been an emotional journey, and if you haven't read it yet, go do it now, yes, now, or else I'll kill you, because you're missing out on a piece of art. I, I ran outside and I screamed Zero and screamed. Notes. And then the neighbors called the cops on me. And then and then the cops came and because they thought I was being murdered. And uh, I just screamed, hussy, did it again. And one of the cops said, he updated. And now I'm the cop and I are, are in a, a blanket and we're reading Homestuck on our phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like that. Um, zero notes on this post. No one wanted to read it. <laughs> No one wanted to read it. I just keep thinking, like, what's going to happen when these people, like, discover, like, actual fiction? Someone po posts, like, I'm in full-blown tears over Clance in 2023 thanks to this lovely video, and it's like a fan art video of, of Dirty Laundry. Maybe we'll check it out later. But uh, what's interesting is that they tag it, I can rest easy knowing I have a mint condition of the original Dirty Laundry saved on my iPhone. I don't know what mint condition means <laughs> as as far as, like, uh, digital pieces of media but maybe i should follow up on this and see if it's like the original original uh yeah because that could mean the original unedited uh text from before it was taken down and replaced with the script of b movie and all that um this one person has posted a theoretical book cover for dirty laundry which i'm gonna i'm gonna send you the image it's some cute artwork um <laughs> i think your skills are better utilized making art for things that are actually good um, but I mean, yeah. that's, that's not really my call. I mean, do what you want. Yeah. Because um, some of the fan art of Dirty Laundry is very nice. It's just like, wow, I wish you used your skills to make something that's... <laughs> uh, like there are other fanfics. There are other books that you could be drawing scenes from. Yeah, I think I think this is a, a nice piece of artwork. Um, I like that Keith has an ahoge. Um... This person also says that they had hard copies made of this for them and their friends. Here's a post from November 9th, 2022. I just finished reading Dirty Laundry and I'm a fucking mess. Like, I am actually crying. What the fuck? Why did I miss this all this time? Hello, my fucking heart. I would die for Rosa. I'm beyond words. It was just so real, I guess. Ugh, I'll have to draw fan art when I'm free. <laughs> I, I didn't expect this reaction from uh just a few months ago. Posted January 27th, anyone remember that Dirty Laundry Clants fanfic? And, uh, it, it's tagged Voltron TW. Uh, so, <laughs> I think they don't like Voltron. <laughs> um, and someone replies, it sucked, it was boring and racist and ableist, why did anyone even like it? Thank you. We are not insane. Okay, I scrolled way back and found a post from 2016 which is defending the author. So here we go. So this starts, I am so tired of this happening. I literally cannot sleep until I speak my mind about this, not going under the cut because this is extremely important. All right, so how many of you read stories of any type? Yeah, probably all of you. So let me set one thing perfectly straight for y'all. Stories are not written for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Who are they written for? If they're not written for us, um, then they can just uh, post it for themselves and our criticism doesn't matter at all. 
Uh, yeah, I think the reason why stories are shared publicly is um, for the audience. Yes, that's, when you write that's just a theory that I'm like <laughs> workshopping though. Yeah. Anyway, there has been so much hate for Gibbs' life towards her fanfic, Dirty Laundry. Guess what? They are not enjoying writing that story anymore. <laughs> We're not enjoying reading it, so... <laughs> that Good job. Two of us. And you want to know what? I don't want them to finish it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're agreed. They are required to finish nothing for you self-entitled assholes. The absolute worst thing I can think of as a writer would be feeling obliged to finish something I no longer find joy in. I'm going to teach you all something very important today. The process of writing a story, so sit down and listen up. A story begins when a writer has an idea. This can be caused by numerous things, all of them exclusive to the writer's mindset. The writer likes this idea and want to do something with it. They want to put a piece of their thoughts into it. And that's in bold. Next comes planning the story. The writer has to pull together all their experience and decide what goes where and what happens in order. All this experience help make them who they are today. They want to put a piece of their self into it. Self is in scare quotes. Now we have <laughs> writing the characters. Whether they are OCs or someone else's characters, the writer has to feel a bond with these characters characters in order to write them. The writer who has created a bond with these characters wants to put a piece of their heart, feelings, into it. And then we get to the part of writing which makes a fanfic unique. Detail. Detail doesn't just include environment and clothes. It includes the thoughts of the writer and how the writer wishes to portray the characters. Headcanons, anyone? Detail in this sense comes from a person's personality and their innermost thoughts. By filling in their own sense of detail, a writer wants to put a piece of their soul into it. Writing itself takes an extremely long time. Anywhere from twice as long to ten times or longer than it takes from one person to read it. By spending this time, the oh, writer really? wants to put a piece of their wow. life into it. It takes By longer to write something? By choosing to put their lurk on display, <laughs> a writer wants to put a piece if their pride into it. So what happens when you criticize someone negatively on their work? You are taking part of their thoughts and throwing them against a wall. You are taking part of their self and crushing it under your shoes. You are taking a part of their heart and throwing it into a fire. You are taking a piece of the writer's soul and tearing it in fucking half. You are taking the part of their life they gave up for this and piercing it with a hot iron bar. You are taking their pride and, like the sick animal you are, dragging it through the mud. I don't care if their headcanons offend you or don't align with yours. I don't care if you thought the story was weak or the characters seemed OOC to you. I don't even care if you think they didn't spend enough time thinking this through. It was not written for you. If you don't like it, don't read it. You have free will, just like the author does. If the writer thinks Naruto's hair is dyed, so what? If they think Rukia is hollow, who cares? If they think that DBZ characters are all lanterns, that is none of your business. Either respect their ideas or get your ass out the door and far away from them. Reading a story someone has crafted is a privilege, like driving a car. It's a privilege, but if you don't want to, then don't. The writer has decided to share something that is literally a piece of them. It is an honor that you are allowed to read this, you filthy piece of swine. You deserve it. <laughs> you deserve nothing. You are not entitled to reading other people's stories. Stop thinking you are. 
to end this gives life <laughs> and every other writer out there have fun with your stories if you're no longer having fun don't force yourself to finish it you owe nobody anything you are not obligated to do anything with your stories they are yours tldr stories are not written for you you simply have the privilege of reading them wow this is 30 notes anything for all of that anything interesting uh in the notes um say uh (laughs) you piece of swine (laughs) you piece of swine um oh op reblogged their own post and added it to it (laughs) let me see what they added reblogging this now morning and adding please reblog this slash spread the word this isn't just about the specific fan fiction this is about any piece of work anyone has ever written as a writer this is extremely important to me i personally had stopped posting any of my writing works for this exact reason it was honestly one of the worst parts of my life as a writer please don't make it like that for other writers please support their choices uh back to what we were saying um this is part of being a writer is dealing with audience feedback and criticism (laughs) uh you don't even have to find all of it valid it's just like in order to hone your craft as a writer, you have to understand how audiences react to your story. Like, I think we can make it that basic. You have to be able to take in whatever the audience impression is. And if the audience is saying your fic is racist, if that's the impression they're getting, then you probably want to change what you're doing. And if you can't handle that level of criticism without shutting down, then like, yeah, you're not ready for this. You, you should just write for yourself and not show it to anybody. Right. If you're at the point with your writing where you're really just writing for you and it's just for practice and you're not ready to show other people, then just don't show other people. Like, that's also fine. And I, I think we can say this also because um, the OP here says that they are also a writer. Their entire take here on why writers write, uh, what a writer is putting into their work is um very i mean they're not wrong that i mean obviously when you write you put your thoughts into your work you put part of yourself into your work uh your feelings and stuff end up in there you sh- like sure it's creative expression that's part of the process but um you do that stuff with intention for a reason you're it's not like therapy where you just go in there and bury your soul you're showing specific parts of yourself through your writing Mm -hmm. what you're putting out there is still a finished product that has some amount of polish on it like there's there's a presentation and a finesse that's meant to happen here where you're presenting these parts of yourself in a way that's meant to convey something to the audience it's not simply that you're walking in and laying your soul bare that's not how writing works like what you were talking about is therapy (laughs) (laughs) um and i mean I want to zero in on this little bit in particular, um, not so much because of its relevance to Dirty Laundry, but I think because of its relevance to fanfic writing in general, um, especially because this author extrapolated out to talk about writing in general. Um, the part where it says, uh, writing the characters, whether they are OCs or someone else's characters, the writer has to feel the bond with these characters in order to write them. The writer who has created a bond with these characters wants to put a piece of their heart feelings into it. Characters... From the writer's perspective, certainly you can be attached to characters you write, but your characters are the tools you use to advance the story. And as a writer, you have to be able to look at your characters in some sense objectively as tools. You can't view them in the same way that the audience does. 
And I think this is a stumbling block a lot of fanfic writers run into because, of course, they are used to approaching these characters from the audience perspective. And this is why you can see some fanfic writers get a little too precious with these characters. Because these are like, um, it's different than an OC who you come up with is like, "This this is my guy who I invented to put in situations. And you're viewing him more as a narrative tool to advance the story. Like, Keith and Lance in Voltron, like... The author already has an attachment to these characters before she began writing about them. And that's fine, but when you step into the driver's seat, like, as as the writer of this, this story now, uh, you're now in charge of writing these two guys, you have to be a little bit more objective and recognize that these two are tools that you are using to tell a story. And I think a lot of the problems that we run into with how Keith and Lance are characterized, stem from the author being too precious about them. Like, uh, these are her blorbos. Uh, she gets them mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that all, we, we all do this, you know, mess, m- m- uh, mixing up your kids' names. It happens. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and neither of them really have clearly defined characters because I don't think the author has a clearly defined sense of either of these guys other than that these are both characters that she likes. Yeah. If you approach them more from like, okay, what is their narrative function in the story? I think the stuff would become a lot more apparent. But this is a problem that happens a lot in fanfiction writing where authors don't know how to uh, disengage to the extent that you have to when you're when you're writing. You can't you can't um let the characters be real to you in the same way that they need to be for the audience. Can I read this post from uh, December 31st, 2021? Yes. Uh, Remember that one time in like 2016, a white teenager wrote a super good fanfic featuring POC characters. That is um, people of color characters. I'm just going to I already don't this. remember this. Continue. Uh, and a, <laughs> yeah, a super good fic. Don't remember. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Featuring people of color characters and a neurodivergent character both portrayed accurately, and then white neurotypical people got offended because the autistic character had sensory issues, parentheses, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, and parentheses, and the person of color people who spoke Spanish (laughs) danced to a popular Spanish song, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, and then upon them listening to criticism criticism and saying they were going to rewrite the story and fix the issues the same white neurotypical people decided to harass them and then tell them go kill themselves question mark question mark question mark question mark and because of that one of the honest best fanfics to ever be written now is no longer readable on ao3 like wtf was that bros all right this is revisionist history this is extremely revisionist all right so first of all super good fanfic allegations aside um (laughs) Whether or not the... (laughs) Dirty Laundry is definitely beating the good fanfic allegations. (laughs) Whether or not the neurodivergent characters... uh, I definitely can't speak for whether or not the people of color characters, as this person (laughs) calls them, are portrayed accurately. But we remember we did read some criticism from uh, Latin people who... Yes. uh, Like, we we have comments. Uh, So the only ones I've read so far, really, are uh, other people of color criticizing um, the author's portrayal 
uh, as being racist. So they're kind of making up this uh, th- this in their head, like, oh, the only people who who did it, who 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 criticized uh, the depictions or called it offensive, were people who do not belong to those marginalized groups, which is entirely incorrect. Um, uh, yeah, they're, as, 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 they're as making as, up a guy to get mad at. <laughs> as far as Alexi goes, we'll talk more about her a little later. I definitely have some comments I want to read that I found uh, talking about her and the portrayal with her, uh, her character and the issues they have with that. Yeah, um, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think since we brought this up earlier, the issue is not that Alexi has sensory issues. The issue is that Alexi only exists in the story as an autistic character to be a burden to Sophia. So, I mean, this is uh, pretty common. I mean, calling it revisionist history seems a bit dramatic, but this is, uh, let's call it, like, revisionist fandom history. I've yes. seen this happen a lot, um, because if if a fic or, or a piece of media online gets criticized, and then people, and then they, like, stop... Um, updating or whatever people always blame like oh it was the people who told them to kill themselves and yeah. and you know what it's always uh because people told them to kill themselves i'm not saying that this doesn't happen but it's <laughs> right. it's just it's used as a defense every single time it's like oh you criticize them too much and also some people told them to kill themselves so that's why they deleted and therefore all criticism that was ever directed towards them is bad because you're you're on the the side that doesn't like it so you must be siding with the people who told them to kill uh themselves if that not makes to sense. say anyone getting told to kill themselves is good but um i think if you've been on the internet for any length of time um you've probably been told to kill yourself at least once <laughs> like who, who among us at this point um it's just kind of the stock response in a lot of situations. It's not unique. If you have been suicided baited online, uh, you're in the majority, I think. Uh, telling someone to kill themselves is not a death threat, by the way. Right. Yeah, n- not a death threat. Uh, but yeah, uh, I-, I guess uh, keep this in mind for a little later. I mean, the meanest comment we found was that one that said, like, fucking white people, which was not even mean. That person was just mad for justifiable yeah. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> they said fucking for emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to be extremely thin-skinned to take to take that like uh as as hate. Yeah, they said like you fucking white people thrusting your stereotypes upon us. Uh do yourself yeah. a favor and do everyone a favor and delete the fanfic, which is like that's I mean heated and they're obviously very upset, but that's not <laughs> that's not even close to harassment or, or telling someone to kill themselves. It's really like, not even that inf- inflammatory. It's just someone like, who's mad. Grow up. People are yeah. allowed to be mad <laughs> when they yeah, feel um, hurt. Yeah. Yeah. This is from June of last year, but this person says, All fandoms have that one fanfiction or AU that is so good and well-known that it has its own fan art and everyone just loves it. And I think that's just neat. And they tag this with a bunch of different like uh fandoms and fanfics but i mean can you think of like other fandoms where there's like one fanfic that everyone's read um or like where there's a where there's a very popular fanfic that got a lot of fan art or i'm just trying to see if we have any examples we can compare with dirty laundry here my immortal because i (laughs) well that's my immortal's like its own thing though um, no, I can't. My Immortal eclipses Harry Potter. Uh, Just like uh, Dirty Laundry eclipses Voltron. 
<laughs> yeah. I think we can say that My Immortal is better than Harry Potter, though, and I'm, I'm not sure we can say that about Dirty Laundry with Voltron. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, notable fanfics from other fandoms, and there's definitely, like... I mean, fanfiction's getting fan art is not super uncommon, and I can definitely think of situations where it's like, yeah, if you're into this one pairing, you've read this fic because everyone has, because it's the most popular thing in the tag, right? Like, that sort of situation happens a lot, but I think Dirty Laundry is just such a weird extreme example where this, like, eclipsed every other fanfic about this pairing. I can't really think of anything else that extreme. Uh, here's a post from January 3rd, 2021. Um, and it says, I wonder how the author of Dirty Laundry is doing right now. First of all, you could literally look them up right now. They have a Twitter. Uh, they're an artist. They seem to be doing fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone comments. Uh, I mean, they're on Twitter, so it can't be that good. Every now and then I think I think about it. Hope they are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> they're fine. Sometimes I can still hear her voice. <laughs> they're fine. <laughs> Uh, God, some people it's arguing just, it's in the just comments. like Sophia. Uh, someone says, I hope they're doing good. That hate was unjustified. Uh, someone uh, replies, and they have the word Mexican in their URL. So assuming they are perfectly, like, in their right to talk about this fic without anybody going like, oh, just it was only white people who didn't like the fic and thought it was racist or whatever. Um, right, it was only white neurotypical people. Yes. Uh, we know so many neurotypical people are on Tumblr, so... Yeah, okay, uh, <laughs> they, they reply, they deserve the hate, what do you mean? Uh, person A replies, they were willing to change stuff and some hate was unjustified. White people can definitely write characters of other nationality slash culture if they do it respectfully, otherwise every book would be an autobiography. Some people hated them just because they wrote about a Mexican family as a white person. If I'm completely wrong, please correct me though, because I've only seen parts of the discourse back then, so I'm not an expert. Okay, so oh my God. this okay, person... So... <laughs> oh, so you didn't even experience, you're all getting the second hand and you think that you have, um, that you can, like, talk over this person who was actually Mexican and was there. Also, like, the fact that their defense is just like, um, okay, well, some of the criticism was justified, but some of the criticism was just because, um, they were white writing about characters of color, and it's like, okay, but in this circumstance where they were being racist, that's what that criticism was related to. That's the context for that criticism. <laughs> yeah. It's like not like, it's not like they just happened to be white and write about some characters of color, and it was fine, and people took issue with it for no reason except them being white. That is not what happened. Person B replies, White people can write characters of color if they do it respectfully, which was absolutely not done. They got hate yes. because they wrote an extremely racist caricature of a Mexican family, not because they wrote a Mex Mexican family as a white person. So yeah, you were completely wrong, person A replies. <laughs> In that case, I'm sorry. As I said, I didn't fully follow this debate back then, and after hearing a few Mexicans say that they enjoyed the fic, I figured I it was some unjustified cancel culture hate. Also, my knowledge oh, no. of Mexican culture is limited as I am European person b replies as a white person you don't get to write off accusations of racism as cancel culture skull emoji yeah uh person yeah a, person a replies other mexican people said it so i believe them okay but mexican people are not a monolith right uh if 
if you're in this circumstance, if it's like, okay, I've heard some people say that the story is racist, and I've heard other people who would also be affected by this issue say that they did not have a problem with it, then just say that. Oh just my say, god. I've heard mixed opinions on whether or not this fic is racist, and I don't know for sure. Uh, okay, so person A replies, other Mexican people said it, so I believe them. What else am I supposed to do? Have no opinion on everything that's not white? I try to inform myself and listen to people who are in the minority group the topic is referencing. Okay, then you say I don't have an opinion on it instead of, of literally, <laughs> you literally said earlier, like, some people hated them just because they wrote about a Mexican family as a white person. Right. If you don't have your own opinion on this and are only going off what you have heard others say, then say that. Yeah. Like, because it would be fine if this person said, um, I have not personally, uh, read this fanfic or engaged with much of the criticism I just know that I have some Mexican friends who did not personally take issue with it. That's a statement of fact. <laughs> person B replies, as a white person, you don't get a say in if something's not racist, especially when so many brown people were saying it was. Person A replies, okay. Person C <laughs> replies to person B, hey, while I understand the feelings that went into that, educating people can be done in a kinder, less condescending tone. Person uh... A apologized multiple times and said they were willing to learn why it was seen as racist. When you phrase an argument that aggressively, it makes people feel attacked and defensive. It's not aggressive. Absolutely nothing about what they replied was aggressive at all. At fucking all. This is literally just, I see a person of color, um arguing and i disagree with them so i'm gonna say that they're aggressive um yeah yeah i mean it's it's absolutely that who uh continuing from what person c says who then will become unwilling to listen to what you have to say even if you have a valid point don't alienate people who are trying um oh my god okay because i was about to say that fandom has a big problem with uh taking this kind of stuff way too personally. Because if someone says, like, hey, uh, that fanfic you wrote has some racist elements, that is not a personal attack. That's a criticism of something you made, but not a direct attack on you, unless you think that, like, an inherent part of yourself is that you're racist. If you're, if you're like, I did not set out to be racist, and that was unintentional, and this fic reflects poorly on me because I don't want to be like that, then fix your goddamn story. Um, person... B replies, first thing you gotta know is that I don't owe racist people kindness, even if they apologize. Yes. Person C replies, they never acted in a racist way. They just didn't know full facts. Um, stating oh. an opinion that something was not racist as a white person is itself racist because you are talking over... <laughs> like, it, it, does this really need to be explained? Someone calling... Uh, saying that something you did is racist is not calling you a meanie. Like... <laughs> They never acted in a racist way. They just didn't know the full facts. Uh, if they didn't know the full facts, they could have just said so, and they could have stepped out of the... They didn't They didn't need to comment. Racism uh, does not in require conscious malicious intent. Having a strong stance on things is good, but accusing people who don't know better immediately of being racist is not going to make you morally superior. You're just going to lose any kind of support you may have had in the beginning. Person B replies... You cannot know any better and be racist. That's the fucking point. Person B replies... 
It's not moral superiority. It's a fact that writing off accusations of racism as cancel culture, especially as a white person, is racist in itself. Telling me, a Mexican person, that my anger over this is just moral superiority is racist. People who don't know better are still racist, even if they decide to not be anti-racist because a POC was rude to them. They were never truly interested in learning. This person is being so nice. Oh, yeah, this is uh, like... I, I mean, I can't believe that they're being characterized as aggressive over this, but it is, like, unbelievable because they are being so level-headed about this while dealing with this absolute bullshit. Oh my god, this just keeps going on. Oh my god, how long? I mean, this is, like, the core of the problem. It's not just a fandom problem, but you see it all the time in fandom is that these people take, um, any, like, hey, you did something racist comment as, like, a personal attack. This person is being so nice. Uh, in this tag, I keep seeing people talking about heat waves, which is, I guess, a Minecraft fic? Uh, oh, and they're I just thought it was it. about the Glass Animals album. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> I have I no guess interest. I the song, the album Streamland. I... Yeah, uh, everyone's saying heat waves is the dirty laundry of MCYT. All I'm saying is if Heat Waves is MCYT's version of Dirty Laundry, when will it be taken over with a VB movie script? <laughs> is Heat Waves the new Dirty Laundry? This is all people are talking about in 2021. I mean, is this fanfic really racist? Because I guess that would make it the new Dirty Laundry. <laughs> it's it got it's gotten to the point where it's like I mean it's it's uh Minecraft YouTubers or something, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's probably very racist. <laughs> Someone's from April 7th, 2021 says, You have no idea how much I want to clown on Hitalia Stan's RN, but it's 2021 and I ship clans. And then they tag it. This is a joke. I like Hitalia. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, but the joke is that you like Hitalia. <laughs> that is the joke, yeah. Yeah, I think we're, we're getting a really uh, illuminating screenshot of the type of people who like dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah. It's really illuminating and is also uh, telling us exactly what we could have already told you. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the tags are referencing the Gasolina scene, which we'll, we'll fucking get to. Uh, uh, oh my god. <laughs> Look at this. Oh my god. It's a uh, custom printed book of dirty laundry. I wonder if it's complete with typos. I hope so. I had it custom printed for myself as a single copy. I didn't buy it through a store, so please don't ask who sells it. And it's only for personal use because the author of DL does not want it distributed, and I'm going to respect that. Did they even say that? I don't know. I'm trying to make out <laughs> I'm... what's going on on the cover there. I guess it's just Voltron, but cut off. Oh, wow. And here's a picture of the book open to the Gasolina scene. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You oh could have... The fact that people are, like, proudly showing this off. It's not even well written. It's not it's even not, well written. It's not even well written. I'm not asking it to be a, a masterpiece, but it's not... It, it's, like, fucking basic writing mistakes. Like... Yeah, it's... I mean, it would not be good if this fanfic was, like, if it was an otherwise good story but still had all the problematic elements. Uh, obviously, yeah. we wouldn't be on here praising it, 
but I would at least understand why there was all this love for the story if there were genuine good elements to it. I I even think, like, when you told me about this fanfic in the abstract, I kind of expected the character relationship between Keith and Lance, at the very least, to be compelling, because that's what people are here for. Yeah. It can't even get that right. In, like, a weird way, where it doesn't carry over the same dynamic that exists between them in Voltron Season 1, which would have worked fine as a starting point for them here, but that's just not what it is. And it can't work out what it wants the dynamic between the two of them to be, because it starts off as fake dating and then turns into mutual pining and then they kiss like barely halfway through the story and we're still expected to think it's mutual pining (laughs) even though like obviously that's been resolved because they kissed a lot of people upset that the author deleted dirty laundry like they're getting upset for nothing like guys this this fic was everywhere i like this this post uh this person this is from 2017 but this person says you know you are fucked up when you hear when you heard Gasolina and you know all the fucking lyrics, even if you don't like that kind of music. Yeah, it was playing on the radio constantly in, like, 2005. Yeah. Though I guess this person's probably too young Mm. to remember that. (laughs) We're getting, um, progressively stupider takes as we scroll back to 2016. This person, I was just listening to Gasolina and realized I hadn't read Dirty Laundry in ages, so I looked it up and I've missed drama? Like, what in the living hell happened? I'm so upset for the author. That fic was truly incredible, and I'm just so shocked that people hated on them. I'm surprised about how much finding this all out actually really hurt. Like, I'm actually heartbroken. Why do people have to crush greatness? P.S. What a fucking power move to replace it with the B-movie script before deleting it, though. You weren't there. Revisionist history. All of the sympathy for the author and none of the s- sympathy for the people who were actually hurt, like ex- expressed being hurt by the story. Yeah, they just get called aggressive and told to to fuck off, basically. Right, but this is why fandom spaces are so often like perceived as hostile to fans of color. It's because this shit happens all the time. Like, I, I don't want to, like talk too much about this because obviously like we don't directly experience that both of us are white but i think it's something we've both definitely observed and this is just like it's it's kind of like textbook here like the person just just being like hey you don't get to decide what is or what isn't racist uh if you're white and um them replying uh sorry i didn't know and then being like well you can still be racist without uh intending to without knowing right yeah and and then someone replying like hey could you not be so aggressive um you know and and feigning it as like concern for the person like oh no one's ever going to listen to you if you don't if you use that tone yeah yeah all right do you want to stop here oh i think we should probably wrap it up yeah yeah so that is going to be all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on Twitter or Tumblr at Literary Demerit. We upload new episodes on Fridays. You can find us on Patreon or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks so much to The Birthday Massacre and Metropolis Records for the use of their song Counterpain. You can find them on Bandcamp, Spotify, and Apple Music. And remember... We don't own anything. All credit to the original owners! <laughs>